keep on kissing babies and hugging fat girls. Sell out full of suffering, suck attach, son. It's me, Austin. Oh, son of a bitch. What? It's me, Austin. It was me all along, Austin. And you teeth look like two tight too, Billy. And you book a match with me. That's right, Killing. Look at me. I'm a total package. I will rip him apart. I'm pissed now. Where to, Stephanie? <laughs> Wrestle Roasts on ad-free shows and ATC. Welcome everyone to Wrestle Roasts. I'm your host Robert Carpolis and joined as always by Dan St. Germain. Dan, always. how are you? I am the consistent on this podcast. I even like I just want to pat myself on the fucking back because for Patreon this week, it's just me, folks. I'm the only one who watched Santa's Little Helpers starring the Miz. Okay? I'm the only guy who did it. And uh, and I think I deserve some sort of fucking bouquet. Look, what do they do in, in New Japan? Give me a bouquet of flowers and streamers. That's what I want. Yes, Thank whereas you. here, if you tell people you just watch Santa's Little Helper, they take away your belt and shoelaces. So <laughs> we're doing well. Later on in the episode, we are going to be joined by Scott Chaplin, uh, Mike Lawrence, and former WWE writer Alex Greenfield. Uh, we're taping this across two days, so there's going to be a little bit of a time jump. It's like that TV show Lost. We'll get you through it. But we are joined right now by uh, our favorite guest, Nick Hausman. Nick, how are you? I'm I'm your favorite? Yeah. Because well, the other guests aren't going to listen to the beginning of this episode, so I think you're fine. Oh, okay. Well, you guys are my favorite podcast hosts. So. Oh, Wow. It's, you know, between, it's between us and um Rene Dupree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's... Oh, I like Rene Dupree more than us. Little Cafe de Rene. You guys like a little Cafe de Rene? Uh, you know, I'm a big Cafe de Rene fan because there is no agenda because he's pretty he's pretty confident and he's never getting hired in another promotion again. So it's all scorched earth. And having worked with him, good. <laughs> Yeah. Was he well, about, was he oh he was a dick then, right? He was He was eh, he was whatever he was. He was fine. He 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 lacked the charisma and in-ring ability of a Sylvan. Well, he was young. That's I think that too. That was part of it. Yes, so. that it's the excuse when like racist photos come out about you or you were wrestling in, in your early well, he was young. Uh yeah, whereas Jerry, Jerry Jones, yeah. Exactly. Poor poor Jerry Jones, but uh not poor you for tuning in our Forbidden Dork. Uh we've got a, a stacked week for you. If you are a member of the uh, the Patreon, Dan recorded Santa's Little Helper probably while sobbing openly. He also talked about the Nine Lives of Vince McMahon documentary on Vice. If you are at the $10 tier for something to sports entertainment with, I broke down this week's episode of Monday Night Raw, talked a little bit about some of the staleness going on with the, the product. Uh, and... Uh, yeah, ten hours here. I broke down NXT's deadline, Ring of Honor, and uh, something else. I forget the other thing that I talked about. All fucking something. blends together. Uh, and and the last plug, last announcement. Then we're getting to the meat and potatoes of this. Uh, December 29th, If you are a Patreon member, we are going to be doing our first ever Patreon Zoom holiday party spectacular. If you're a Patreon member, you're coming for free. It's a live event. We are doing 
a uh, we're doing our end of the year awards. We are doing a surprise roast. We're also bringing back our cameo secret Santas. Those were great last year. It's going to be a blast. Nick looks still Nick, even though you're not a Patreon member, maybe we can hook you up with an invitation if you really uh, play your cards right. But uh, that's going to be December 29th. We'll have some more information for you on the Facebook page. Plug for the Facebook. I can't be there. Well, good. Come. Good. You weren't invited anyway. Cause you're not, a, you're not a member of our, you're not a forbidden dork, Nick. It's a pretty yeah. high bar. You want to know why I can't be there? Why can't well, you be there? Today is my last day of work because tomorrow I'm leaving on a cruise with my wife and her family to Antarctica. I won't be back oh till January God. 6th. Wow, that's awesome. My wife just uh, gasped in, in, in envy. <laughs> I'm terrified. I tried to get out of it. I tried to get her to cancel several times. I don't want to go down there. You know, it's interesting you bring that up because I just watched the movie Triangle of Sadness, which is all about like a a, a cruise that falls apart. But hopefully it'll go better than that. It probably won't. I'm probably going to die on this cruise. This is probably going to be the last recordings I have uh, before it's all done. So I'm going to a Shad Khan's cruise. He purposely takes it down. Yeah. So, well, it all depends on how uh, how this next topic goes, because Nick is here. Uh, he, he is he's consistently joined us after the big AEW media scrums. But instead, we're talking about a completely different company. That's Ring of Honor. Ring of Honor had their final battle pay-per-view, like a tumbleweed rolling through an empty Old West town. Uh, And then they had a media scrum after where it felt like that was more newsworthy than the pay-per-view itself. Um, I've heard very little about the actual pay-per-view other than one of our, our Forbidden Dorks was at the show wearing a Forbidden Dork shirt, and it was right on camera. We really appreciate the the love for that. It was on a lot during the Mercedes Martinez match. Most of you probably fast forwarded through, but Nick, good what match you, actually. I'm sure, I'm sure it was an excellent match, but you know, at least Tony Khan fast forwarded through it. Nick, how was the uh, Ring of Honor media scrum? Did they give you actual chairs? Yeah, yeah. We had we had chairs. We had too many chairs because there was only like nine media people. It was like me. I, I was it was me and there was the woman from WrestleJoy. She came, she flew in uh last second with her husband and then I think everybody else was local press. Um so it was it was pretty tight pretty tight crew. There were more chairs than press this time. Oh, sounds like a an impact taping, but uh no. joking. Uh, but- well, I mean, up, but yeah, no, I thought it was a good scrum. You know, I I, I should say, I don't know. I thought it was a scrum you know tony used it as a chance to roll out honor club coming back i uh if i'm being a little nitpicky i wish he had just kind of gotten to it like he was asked about it early in the, the scrums didn't want to talk about it and then when he gets asked about it again later he says i'm going to give you a very nuanced answer and he talks for like five minutes i don't even know about what like i i think i blacked out i don't know i don't know what he said there but then he says, we're going to Honor Club. And I go, oh, okay, well, now we're getting actual information here. It didn't feel con- it like didn't feel confident to me the way he 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 laid it out. I wish he'd have just said, here's what we're doing. Here's where you can go support it. Go get it. Could have taken you 30 seconds. Real solid pitch. But he felt the need to kind of like couch it with, I don't want to say excuses, but like all this other noise before the rollout, you know? Well, it feels um, like you needed to have the excuses because it felt at least the trajectory of where this was going was all right, we're, we're having this big ring of honor pay-per-view. We're going to have TV. We're going to have a streaming deal. 
hopefully as part of this HBO Max, you know, juggernaut thing that we are a part of. Uh, and it would be a no brainer because we're giving them content. And instead, it was the platform that already existed. Uh, we're just going to start running stuff on there. Yeah. And, and, and to me, you know, it, there's a lot of questions to get into here. Maybe not even questions as much as kind of observations, but, you know, part of the part of the leverage or the, the pitch Tony was making to Warner Brothers Discovery about Ring of Honor is that you're not just going to get this weekly TV product. You're also going to get all these archives. Right. And to kind of uh, to package it all together, and start selling it like to this. It makes me feel like there was not a lot of interest in those archives or a weekly Ring of Honor TV product. And um, I don't know, it just kind of feels a little, it, most people seem pretty underwhelmed by it. I'm not really sure how it's going to play out. It's it's expensive to run wrestling shows of the quality that Tony Khan likes. And I don't, I don't know, I don't know how that financial model works. I am also a billionaire. Yeah. It, it's, it seemed underwhelming and confusing that that was the announcement dan what what did you think when you heard hey good news ring of honor is going to be part of honor club i didn't really have an opinion i mean i i was a member of honor club for a little bit um there's a lot of great stuff on there you know he had a comment about how like you know they did a lot of work with the with the interface or whatever with how how it's set up and it's it's fine you know it's it's better i will say it's better than the one i was also a member of the impact one for a very brief amount of time and it's it is it is you know comparable or a little bit better set up than that but i think that they're you know, I mean, my my opinion of the event was I thought it was I thought it was a good event. I just think that, you know, like it's it's just going to be hard to compete with a WWE streaming service where for five dollars a month you're getting a pay per view. Yeah. You know, it's just it's just it doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter like how many old matches. The thing about wrestling is, yes, we watch certain old matches back. Or if you're me and you watch all the fucking in your houses back because you can't have nice things. Um, but the 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 draw of a streaming service is to get the pay-per-view for a cheaper price than you would have if you uh had gotten normal. And it's and it's tough when you know, I, I think we almost saw this with Twitter, you know, like once you that he knows that he can't just put pay-per-views on that because he then can't take it away. Like once you put like we saw that with Twitter. Like once you, oh, okay, you want to start charging for the blue marks. You can't do that because you already were giving something away for free. And once you, and once you start charging for it, people immediately resent it and move on. Mm -hmm. So I, I think that that's going to be the problem no matter what with him. It, it, it's one thing if like, you know, and, and I, if I'm a streaming service too, I don't know if I want to buy AEW unless I'm also getting the rights to the pay-per-view. I just I, don't know if I'm doing that. That was when, when they first announced the Ring of Honor purchase, and I thought it was a great purchase solely for acquiring the library. And I've talked ad nauseum about I would like to have seen Ring of Honor continue running its its same way with its trucks and its rings and their routes and let guys get reps in front of small crowds. I think there's an advantage to that. But the library beefed up when Tony was going to go to Warner Discovery and say, we want to be on you the same way WWE is on Peacock. And you're going to get all the AEW archives. You get the Dynamites, the Rampages, the Darks, the Dark, whatever. Uh, you're going to get all of our old pay-per-views. Plus, 
we just got this Ring of Honor library. You've got 20 years of content. And here are all these big names on here. And there are wrestling fans that will go out of their way to go find this because, you know, I know, Dan, you say people only watch a couple matches. Ring of Honor, when they would sell DVDs, those sold better than pretty much anything in the wrestling sphere because Ring of Honor fans wanted to go back and rewatch those. They want to go watch the punk, uh, you know, Samoa Joe trilogy. They want to go back and see some of the Danielson stuff. There's a lot of interesting things in that Ring of Honor archive that people want to dive into. And that whole package is what I assume Tony was going to try to sell to Warner the, Discovery. The, the problem here is the production quality, in my opinion. You know, you can put WWE's archives up on Peacock, um, even WCW's archives, right? And they look fine. I mean, you know, Vince has always been a big production guy, right? The, the content, it looks like it's from the 80s, but it's well-produced 80s content, right? You go back and you watch some of this Ring of Honor stuff, dude. It's rough, right? So it's Art rough, lighting, but... Bad, bad audio. It's not the same. When I was doing the WWE 24-7 stuff and we were preparing to build the network, the ECW content was by far our most popular stuff. And that looked atrocious, but that was sort of part of the charm of it. Like you, you people like the fans that loved it want to go back and, and watch old ECW footage. They were more excited to see that than they were a lot of the other footage that there was out there. And I think if you're getting a, a more hardcore fan, it's, you know, hey, you want to go see Seth Rollins before he was Seth Rollins. You want to see Owens and Zayn before they were Owens and Zayn. You can now go and watch this archive. Plus, the new Ring of Honor every week being on on uh, HBO Max is something driving someone to go constantly tune in and stream there. I think there was a package to it, and he kind of missed the boat. Well, but the, the, here's the here's the difference between what you're describing and what Tony's doing is Vince bought WCW and ECW uh, for the library. I, I mean, realistically, having looked back at history, I don't think Vince ever had any intention of ever actually – doing anything maybe try them out see if if it's latchkey or turnkey then maybe i'll do it but he never really had any full intention of like keeping these brands going tony is not just like hey here's some extra archives tony's trying to like reinvigorate this whole brand and get it going again at a time where he needs to be putting 100 of his focus on aew like the fact we are even having this conversation really seems like a huge distraction, right? I, there are so many other issues that AEW has to deal with right now. I, if I'm Warner Brothers Discovery, and I'm saying, dude, you guys got to get it together. We got these these stories. We're having issues with these advertisers. You got to you got to patch up these ratings numbers right here. We're going to try to make the best deal possible with you. Why are we even talking about this other thing? This other random thing, right? Like, I I, I don't understand. I think the thing that frustrates me the most about this is like the the focus is getting lost like tony needs to find a competent booker brett lauderdale whoever it is to run ring of honor on its own free of tony khan there needs to be a a separate division entity to do if he wants to do this he cannot do both it is the it, when he does both we've seen that the products are very similar we've seen a lot of bleed between them and we've just seen the AEW product, like the, the complaints people had about too much ROH content on AEW TV, that was a very valid criticism. Tony realized it, and now Ring of Honor is about to lose its biggest billboard because they're no longer going to be actively part of the AEW TV model. So I, I, I was hopeful at the end of this that he was going to ice Ring of Honor for a year, figure out a new plan. Um, 
I don't, it doesn't sound like we're going to go that far with it, but it's pretty close. I mean, the belt off Jericho, there's no reason to do this Ocho thing anymore. Like there's no, the stories are all wrapped up. There's no reason to keep going with any of these people. Anytime no, he de- he delves into something else, it was the New Japan stuff, uh, and they were going to that pay-per-view, and then this, the constant feedback is, you're giving me too much about things I don't care about when you have such precious little TV time to begin with. I feel terrible for Claudio, who leaves WWE, where if he was there right now, he'd probably be in a pretty good position with Hunter, uh, and is now relegated to... Good news, you're the Ring of Honor champion. Uh, you're now going to exist on a paid streaming service oh. that no when, when people aren't going to go find it. It's not even like, hey, we're putting you on YouTube. It's There's already a paywall, and now you're going to kind of vanish. Same thing with Joe, and same thing with anybody else that's relegated to Ring of Honor. It, it mm-hmm. doesn't help anyone, and you're playing to a fraction of an audience. So I don't see how you're going to grow it. I was critical when I found out that Final Battle was $39.99 for a pay-per-view. If you really wanted to hook someone, I said it should have been 10. I think Dan said 20. A low price, say, look, we're going to give you a great show. You watch and you go, holy crap, this is different. This is good. I like this. I'm willing to pay for it. I, I think the issue there with the price point is production, again, at the level that Tony wants this to be presented at, the costs are so high. And the break with BNR, I would guess, is maybe 50-50 a little better. You in order to come even close to recouping that, I, I feel like you got to do that price point. And then you're right. And, and it's like if you're going to be doing it that, then why even do it at all, right? Like I, again, I keep going back to like, why are we doing this? What what is what is Ring of Honor? Are you gonna are you gonna film before a Dynamite? Oh wait, you already you already do Dark and Dark Elevation before and after Dynamite and Rampage. So does that stuff start getting filmed in Orlando and Ring of Honor starts becoming this other brand that you watch filmed before AEW, like? How does the how do you even how do you even start making the content? Like I don't even know. You know, Robert, you had said earlier that I, I actually think you kind of you you brought up the DVD sales, which um that doesn't matter anymore because the reason those DVD sales made so much money is because at the time WWE was in two thousand five land, two thousand four land, or whatever, and they weren't putting on a lot of good matches. Yeah. Ring of Honor was the last place you could watch great matches. There was no New Japan service. And the whole thing about AEW is that, you know, like the creative has been rough the last couple months, but it still has great matches. You could still, you know, like if we're talking about match of the year, we're talking usually in those top five matches, four of them are AEW, you know? Um, and that's And that's what they're strong with. But now you're saying oh but ring of honor that has great wrestling too and there's just you know people like the most that wrestlers wrestling fans want is that they want one promotion with great matches and they want one promotion that's like got great sports entertainment that's it they don't have any more room for like three promotions with great wrestling two promotions with great sports entertainment there's just too many fucking options yeah um so i i think that like that whole model was because like you really couldn't get it other other than getting those DVDs, you know? Like, we we remember that time in WWE, there was maybe only a couple matches a year that were blowaway matches, and most of them were like Shawn Michaels and Kurt Angle at WrestleMania, you know? So now WWE's in-ring product has gotten a lot better. Uh, AEW's in-ring product is still really good. Um, it seems like New Japan is kind of 
bouncing back a little bit. At least they're spending money to kind of put them in the conversation with the Sasha Banks stuff. I, I just don't, I don't see a spot for these guys. You know, I hate GCW, but I see a spot for them, you know, because like there's nobody else that's like GCW. I don't understand what Ring of Honor is bringing to the table. Yeah, well, Nick, and- you were, oh, I'm sorry. No, you go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, you were, you were, at the, the the scrum final battle, you were at the, the scrum for the last AEW pay-per-view. Did you notice a, just a different vibe after the show? In turn, you know, I'm assuming after the AEW show it was a little bit more high fives all around versus final battle. How it how it felt? What the what the the feeling was when you were when you were there? Uh, that's a really good question. Uh, night. I mean, I don't want to say night and day, but um, the AEW. Um, what was the last one? Full Gear? Was that the Full last pay per view? Yeah. yeah. The Full Gear pay per view scrum definitely felt important, right? Like, again, like I told you guys last time, Shivani was there. All these people were there. Very close attention. This was the scrum right after CM Punk had done XX and X. And so it, it, it felt very big. This one was interesting because, like, the uh, scrum took place in like a gymnasium. Like, they had it partitioned off in half. Like, half the room was like catering, the other half was. The, the scrum area. And like I said, there was just less journalists. There was less outlets. I, I think the torch was there because yeah, the kid next to me was the torch, but there was less outlets that I knew. It did not feel like the interest was there from the press. Like it was at fi- uh, full gear. And on Tony's end, it did definitely feel like he was trying to sell something, you know, like he had obviously, he obviously knew he had to make the honor club announcement, whether he liked it or not. And he had to do the best to, to couch that. And that was a part of it. Um, but you know, and, and I think it was probably because the lack of like notable names and outlets and people, and I don't want to blow smoke up my own ass or anything, but like nobody was asking stuff that I really cared about. Nobody was asking any questions that had depth at all. And, you know, I, I felt like I was doing my best for the cause to get in there and ask about, you know, Regal and Cabana and all these things and people that, you know, have actual interest. But it was it, it, Tony was given some some uh, a pillow fight, you know, and I felt like full full gear had a little bit more gravity to it. Like, you know, there was a lot more interest in it. So that's the tone tone wise. I, I thought they were very dramatically different. All right. Uh, moving on to our our, our next topic. Uh, that it is a very news heavy uh, week that we we picked here. Uh, NXT had their their big uh, show that aired Tuesday night. Mandy Rose's uh, historic women's title reign ended, and uh, then because uh, of her online content, she has apparently been released from the WWE. So. Kind of a, a a surprising step that happened here. Uh, for those of you who who don't know, uh, apparently she has a, uh, a a website with some racy content uh, that's definitely not TVPG. And based on Triple H's uh, barometer for whether or not you're going to be in the Hall of Fame, if you Google Mandy Rose, you might see some stuff that your daughters are going to ask questions about. Uh, and now she is gone. Unlike the hoe train. <laughs> Unlike the the classy uh, women of the legitimate business that the Godfather ran, the uh, the the hoe train. Nick, when you saw this, were you uh, were you surprised? Oh yeah, I came out of left field, and then I started finding out why she was released. And you know, the overwhelming reaction I've 
felt from fans and definitely from the wrestling team in our Slack channel was uh, very upset. Like definitely feels like um, she was done dirty here. You know, uh, well, that's on the website. You have to pay extra to see that. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. But definitely felt like she got, she got, you know, the short end of the stick here. Um and uh you're gonna you're gonna do a small follow up joke. Anyway. I was going to, uh, but I was drinking Kaiser. I take a sip of coffee. And she can rate your short end of the stick on her website. <laughs> sorry, sorry, I shouldn't make these. <laughs> but then, look, sex work is work, right? If 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 she's a if there are people who want to pay for it and she's willing to provide a service, I don't really care. It's nothing illegal is happening here. Now, the more I'm kind of hearing about it, and I I, I want to be very clear, today was a absolute blizzard of news. I am fried right now i have had to consume so much news today so i may not get a hundred percent of this correct uh, we will we will put the caveat we are recording this portion on wednesday the 14th and given the way that our luck is on this podcast by the time this comes out you're going to find out that tony khan was vince's illegitimate son and be like why did you guys not talk about that but Mm -hmm. as of now what we know at 5 30 eastern standard time on uh, february 14th is what nick's about to say so we, it appears that she got released because of the content, but I, I've seen stuff about how there was like uh, Mattel, there was like a morality clause with Mattel as far as like uh, people that uh, represent characters in their line. And it was maybe out of WWE's hands where they're like, Mandy, look, we, we would love to keep you. Like, I, I personally don't have any problem with what you're doing, but Mattel over here, they're, they're pissed and they're going to, uh, pull the deal or they're gonna file a suit or something we, we can't have that so it's 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 that or us and she she chose the other thing so that's a very rose-colored view of it from wwe's perspective and of course the other perspective is the, the jokes you guys made about how if hunter has to google your name and you're a woman and he finds out that you've done uh sexual things uh it's it's not something he's comfortable with and uh, I definitely think, you know, uh, we've seen that with China and we've seen that with Sonny. And he made that comment uh, about Soraya um, that uh, she was very offended by and that he had to later apologize for. Yeah, that she should have been. That, that was awful. Yeah. And so it does seem that this is a blind spot for Hunter. And uh, if the Mattel stuff is true uh, that I just said here, and again, this is just like bits and pieces of things I saw on the Wrestling Inc. Slack channel. So don't quote me for gospel. Um then I would get ahead of it. I would make it very, I would pass the heat. So I would pass that heat as quick as possible because I do think that there's a, a perception about Hunter right now and the way he views women in this particular issue. So someone I, I spoke to who's going to remain nameless, uh, basically when I was met, talking with him about it, he's like, well, you know, the reason is because our pictures got leaked. If people hadn't been posting these online, they never would have known. And I'm like, that's not a justification for what she did. In their right. contract, when you are an active talent, whether they like it or they don't, WWE owns your IP. You know, you are that character. You can't separate the the actor from the character a lot of times. And when we talked about the the Twitch stream issues before and and all of that, it's you're 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 piggybacking on the goodwill the WWE has gotten from exploiting your intellectual property, and you are compensated for that. They ultimately were more lenient on the Twitch things, and I know they let some of the people do cameo and and this, that, and the other. What Mandy Rose was doing was something that if you are Mattel, if you are a sponsor of the WWE or where this is being aired in some places internationally that have an issue with this, then they have no choice. And they it sounds like they try to tell her, like, hey, stop doing this, and she's probably making a significant income 
from More. whatever she's posting. I, I think back to years ago, I'm going to be as vague as humanly possible. There was a wrestler that we were uh, using at a promotion that I was at, and we weren't allowed to use that person because that person had done adult content uh, of same-sex oriented. And part of the regions that we had deals with said, absolutely not. If this person's on TV, we will not air your show. And we were not able to use that that individual. And there are those those requirements. And Mattel has dictated what the WWE has done for the better part of more than a decade, the shift to yeah. PG. And it made sense. And you're answering to shareholders. And it sounds less like WWE was punishing Mandy for what she did and more she left them no choice. They said, look, you're doing something that you're explicitly not, I mean, explicitly, explicitly not allowed to do. You're doing it. We're asking you to stop. You said, no, you've made your choice. So be it. The difference between what, what, what happened with China, what happened with Sonny, they were no longer under contract. Uh, when the women did Playboy, they were under contract. It was it was out in the open. It was it was under the auspices. And what happened with with Soraya obviously was leaked without her consent. There was no way that's that she whole, could yeah, have that's been. A that's a different. totally separate thing. Where you she know, got revenge porn, man. I exactly. Mean, that's that's there, there's the legality issues here. I think with Mandy, it's unfortunate because it felt like, hey, she lost the title. They're going to move her up to the main roster. This is going to be great. And now it's you know now she's gone, and eventually we'll see her at nine thirty on TBS on Wednesdays. Yeah, it does seem that it does, it feels like that, right? Like it feels like she's gonna wind up over at AEW because they Tony Storm is there and Tony Storm does OnlyFans. And I would imagine, I guess, sound like Jax doesn't really care if Tony Storm is doing OnlyFans. Well, they're... when you're named Jax, you kind of have to have some kind of sense of humor about those things. Only on the site, so you know, I I I could see her in AEW. The other one that I think is interesting though is Stardom, you know, or or New Japan. I don't really know exactly what the Sasha Banks deal is, um, but. They would be very smart to have another Gaijin woman in the mix that Sasha can work with and, and draw those North American eyeballs over there to help bring more exposure to those Japanese women. Because right now it's Sasha and Kyrie, which is great, but I don't know where you go from there. And if, if you can get a Mandy Rose or uh, or I don't know what Naomi's deal is or whoever that's out there of note right now and start to build a little division over there around Sasha, I, I think Mandy Rose is definitely a, a jewel you could put in that crown. Somewhere Scott Chaplin's head exploded thinking of the Tokyo Dome being main evented by Sasha Banks, Mandy Rose. Um, <laughs> God, God willing. So there you go. I mean, yeah, but I also think she, you know, has enough crossover appeal. She might not need wrestling going forward. You know, it's like you look at an Eva Marie. Eva Marie has carved out a career for herself outside of wrestling. She's done some reality shows. She does modeling. Like there, there's avenues where you use the WWE for the level of fame it gets you, and then you go and do something else. And I don't know that Mandy Rose necessarily lives and breathes pro wrestling to the point where she needs to be part of the industry going forward. There are very few people anymore that love and live and breathe pro wrestling. Pro wrestling is more and more becoming a stepping stone to to what could be other opportunities for you. And MJF is, you know, he's the epitome of that. He's he's openly talking about it now, right? I mean, but you look at Sasha Banks, okay, she might she might become back to stardom, that's the report, but like also she's kind of out doing her thing. She doesn't really need professional wrestling. You look at Punk, like I was, you know, I've been more open to the idea of him going back to WWE, but kind of the more I, I see and learn and hear about that whole situation. Um, I don't know. I think punk is maybe, I don't think he think he needs the business. Right. And I think that's the thing for a lot. I mean, the perfect, you guys know 
pro wrestling behind the curtain can be a very gross, complicated, messy, anxiety-ridden place. And if you have the option to go not do that and make money and feel respected and have people around you that uh, want to do fun things where you don't fall down and get concussions for a living, it's pretty. It's a pretty prime uh, offer. There are only so many Brian Danielsons, Claudio Castagnolis. Uh, they're, they're, they're a dying breed, in my opinion. More people are getting into the business seeing it as a step to something else than, than the final step in the equation. Well, Which something is that what it was in the eighties too, like in some ways, you know, like mm-hmm. you were trying to get that crossover thing. No, at least Hogan was and shit, but which you know, yeah, whatever. Well, something that's going to make this business even more disgusting and horrible and rough to be a part of is the rumor, according to our friends at the Wall Street Journal, that my former boss and everyone's favorite human being, Vincent Kennedy McMahon, is ah. contemplating trying to get back in. To the WWE, he saw Trump decide to run for president again and said, I will one up you. And uh, now there are some rumors and rumblings out there that Vince is trying to get in through the uh, the, the back door at Titan Tower. Uh, Dan, are you excited that uh, that Vince may finally be returning to fix all this Triple H nonsense? Uh, I, I think that this was something that was leaked by his camp and the by his camp with Laurinaitis. Well, yeah, like or his assistant or whatever the God bless that assistant, by the way, whoever is with Vince, I, I the stock price took a hit as soon as this information came out. I think he cares more about money than he does his ego at this point. And uh, and if it is his ego, he's got to look at the legacy of the company that like right now they're in the catbird seat if he doesn't come back. Right. Like. I saw that documentary. There's no new accusations in it. There was no new news. Um, the only way this becomes a thing again is if Vince decides to come back. Um, and I don't, I mean, I just, I don't, I think that right now Fox and and USA would not let that happen, especially after, after this documentary. Or And I, I think that there would be, I think that there would be a revolt and it'd be one thing if the company wasn't doing well, but the company's doing well right now. Their ticket sales are really good for live. Their ratings for SmackDown are really good. Um, This is, this would be a a huge misstep, even for Vince, even with his ego, even a guy who does the kiss my ass club. I just can't see a world on which this happens, but the motherfucker's crazy. So, I mean, that's the only thing that is the, like, you know, you can't really use a rational mindset with a guy like this. So, I mean, when I heard about this, I was like, this is, this can't be true, but um, maybe it's not that it can't be true. It probably is true, but I don't see if his re if his reasoning is, I don't, I'm still going to get heat no matter whether I'm on TV or not. He has gotten a fuckload less heat by not being on TV, you know, <sighs> and uh, I don't know. I just don't I, I I cannot see this happening. And if it does, you know, then then I mean, they're going to uh, they're going to totally slow their momentum. Nick, so why that, are you excited that Vince is coming back? Oh, because mm-hmm. because it'll drive traffic. Um, No, <laughs> I uh, 
I am interested. I'm surprised to hear you say that Vince leaked this, Dan, because I think it is the opposite. I oh, think- I'm sorry. You're right. I think it was somebody from Hunter's Camp or something. Oh, okay. Like God, you said it was Vince. I was like, the F are you talking about? Yeah, no. I think Vince walked into like Hunter's office and was like, hey, pal. Uh, I'm thinking about coming back. What do you think of that? Hunter goes, Vince, man, wow. Uh, we would we would be really that's a that's a big thing. We'd have, we'd have to do that the right way. Well, let me think on it. And Vince leaves the office. Then Hunter walks and walks down an aisle, and then he picks up the phone and he's like, Hey, Ted, with Wall Street Journal. Hey, look, Vince wants to come back, and I know some shit, and we need to get that out there right now. And like, I think that's that's pretty much how something like this may have gone down. Everybody I've talked to there at WWE in the last 24 hours does not want Vince McMahon to come back. They think it is an insane thing. I uh, w- talked to Dallas Page on the record yesterday, DDP, bang, and I was like, Dallas, um, uh, it was right at the end of the interview, he was promoting this movie. Uh, I was like, I don't know if you've heard the news from the Wall Street Journal, but but Vince is wanting to come back to WWE. And he had not heard that. And I got to get his reaction in real time about how he felt about that possibility. And it was if I had melted his brain and he sat there and Dallas is always on and always kind of seems to know how to carry himself and act. And I have never seen him this discombobulated in my whole life. And he had to really process it. And then he basically boiled it down to like, I just don't know how that works. Too much has changed. And all of those changes were changes away from Vince McMahon things. Right. And now everything's better and it's back on the tracks and viewership's up. And so for Vince to come back into the fold and change it back the other direction after seeing success, it doesn't make any sense. Brandon Thurston did a great breakdown of this with John Pollock for WrestleNomics. Um, He talked about how with the stock price going up and Vince owning 80% of the stock, this is only good for him. He's getting $3.4 million just in dividends every quarter for doing nothing but going on vacations right now. So for him to come back would be a massive ego thing. It would affect his own pocketbook. But that still doesn't bring it, uh, that doesn't make me think he wouldn't do it. And if he were to do it, as Brandon has explained it on his show, uh, Vince would need to fire his own board of directors and then install a new board of directors that would have his back and allow him to return to the company. It is possible he could do that. That is a full possibility to start 2023. And uh, what, what a, I mean, like if you're Hunter, I mean, I'm just sitting. I, I already had one heart attack this year, or some shit like that. About to have yeah. another one, man. This is craziness. Yeah, maybe that's what Vince is trying to do. <laughs> so let me let me just try to walk down this 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 path here. Let me just let me see if I get this straight. People tell Vince you're not allowed to come back. You're telling him what he can't do. You've right. now just drawn a path where he would have to fire a bunch of people, including people who helped muscle him out in the first place, and would get to prove all of his critics wrong. It's not like he's going to bring back the XFL. Like, that would be insane. No idiot would see what happened in, like, in 2000 and 2001 and go, I'm going to bring that back. Oh, wait, no, he did. Um, This is a perfect storm for what Vince wants because part of what that thing said in the Wall Street Journal was Vince felt he got bad advice from people in his inner circle who felt that the the news that came out about him was so bad that he wasn't going to be able to overcome it. And now he's kind of feeling like, well, it's blown over and I could have ridden that storm out. He views himself as a fighter. 
He views himself as the guy who beat the U.S. government. He's the guy who beat billionaire Ted Turner. He has overcome all of these obstacles in life. And here it's this company was unjustly taken away from me. I'm going to go back in and save it regardless of what the Internet thinks or what the fans think. Or what They're, Wall Street thinks. Or what That's Wall Street thinks. And he honestly, he could do whatever he damn well pleases. And I could see a path where he is a lunatic and says, I'm going to take back everything. And if it really comes down to it, if you own 80% of the stock, you can bring the thing private again. Take it off Wall Street and say, you know what? This is my company again. I control it. I'm going to keep all the profits and I know better than everybody else. Uh, I, don't, I, don't know the, I don't know what the SEC would say about that. I don't know that you can just do that. Of course you can. <laughs> I think there's I think there's I think that there's a process to going uh, from public to private there. I just I just helped the company do that. So I know that there is a path in order for that to occur, to go from public to private. And you you pay sure. out the stock and all that stuff. But okay. there is a degree of him that lacks logic and common sense, because I wish we all had the kind of, of belief in ourselves and self-confidence that Vince McMahon has. That he thinks at this age and with all these allegations and in spite of an, an almost insane amount of evidence to the contrary, no, I could step back in tomorrow and fix everything and, and it'll run smoothly. Yeah, I it's don't a, know, man. It's just, I just don't see it happening for so many different reasons. I I, I think that like if Vince was able to... I, this is if that happened, Vince was like, all right, I need to install a puppet people. There is going to be so much new shit that's going to come out on Vince based on these people that were in higher positions. I, there's other stories we don't fucking know about. Of course there are, you know, like, I'm, I mean, I don't know for sure, but you know, like I'm sure, I mean, I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure that there's, I'm, I'm there's, sure. A, there's a bunch of stuff in WWE that hasn't come out yet. And the way to get all that to come out is to take food out of people's mouths. And yeah. if you fire these people that have kind of like, guided you out they're gonna fucking go nuclear and then at this point okay so he still owns the company right he can't like you know you know like he's not gonna go to jail for anything he's done or anything like that if there's enough new accusations and enough new stink on this shit uh fox and usa will drop wwe from their programming if vince is in charge if vince is in charge they will have no choice it's one thing now that hunter's in charge that they can distance themselves and be like yeah well we got rid of the cancer so don't worry about it but if vince is in charge now all the heat goes on fox now all the heat goes on the usa network and they've got to do something and as, as as important as wwe is to the usa network's ratings it's not important enough to fox's for sure um i i just just do not they're gonna have to make a decision and in that case if vince loses his fucking tv then that's a wrap bro like i, yeah, I don't but he's not gonna lose this, this is a back. this is a man who moved smackdown to my network like it, like he doesn't care as long as it exists and it's somewhere and you say he has to fire everyone kevin dunn is still there bruce pritchard is still there they're not going to go anywhere if, if vince were to step back into power you can always reinstall linda who has no problem cashing those checks? She did it, it for all like those. She wants to get the fuck away from me. She's like... wanted to get the fuck away from him for a long time because she misses me. But besides that point, Dan, <laughs> uh, no, like, you, you, Wait till like that you're not shifting that. a ton of. It's not a complete overhaul across the board, and they will always find people to to go into there if he were to go down this path. But even the fact that it's coming out at this point in the same week where there's now that report about how. 
uh, Hunter is underwhelmed with a lot of the people he brought back. It feels like a very weird tone going on in the WWE this week. Doesn't it? Like all of this, all of this feels like the table setting for a sale of the company. Vince's mind, if he can't have it back, nobody can have it. So he gets rid of it. Uh, Hunter, like you said, seems like nonplussed. And like those, those, him and Steph were already burned out like on on all this stuff it would seem like before all this took out i mean yeah, steph was I mean, trying Hunter to actually likes his family you know yeah and i th- i think these people all sell and they move on you know i think 2023 is going to be a good year for that i mean if you're uh you know if you're a uh, nbc universal you can stop renting wwe content you can own it keep Let's hunter around make my fucking life easier for yeah sure. you can make hunter your dana dana white you know figurehead type person fine whatever I don't think anyone will ever, no media entity, I think, will actually buy the WWE because of the number of tentacles that they have. You don't want to have to get involved in dealing with live events and touring and licensing and all the merchandise deals and all the international deals that they have. It, it's it's such a behemoth for a company to take over when they can just pay for the content and not have to, act, you know, you, you don't have to own the farm you're getting the beef disney does disney on ice and you know there's these there's touring so disney does disney on ice through feld so they have they they're already outsourcing that to another entity there's there's so many elements to it that someone would have to go into and then you run into the problem of when you now own this company and somebody for the thousandth time reopens the whole okay well how do you explain that you just bought a company that did this dx blackface segment how do you explain you know, Trish Stratus barking and now you own this library? How are you allowing these things to exist? They like that there is an arm's length distance between them and WWE in a lot of ways. That's always sort of been the the vibe. Well, you know, the Saudis could always just buy it. I don't know what MBS, you know. You know. They, they could. They, they you know, They're they paid well a lot good. for that golf tournament. Oh, hell yeah. You so know. that happens. They're definitely turning Goldberg heel. But um, I, I think that we also have to take this in consideration robert is a very smart guy but robert worked in wwe for a year and that's kind of like being a doctor that lived in north korea like like robert has had a despot in his head for 10 years that he can he there's like there's still a part of robert that thinks vince could just come in and just control the world um and mm-hmm. I mean, I, and that's not Robert's fault. That's PTSD's fault. Oh, no, no. It's, it's, Dan, it's, it's devil's advocate. I could, because when you're there, you have to think what's the logical answer and what's Vince's answer. And if you're going to survive for more than a week there, you have to suspend, you know, reality. It's like suspend your disbelief, not just for the wrestling product, but for any business acumen possible and see, I mean, okay. the company survives if Vince comes back, Robert? Like, if he does come back, do you think there's any way the company survives? It'll survive, but it'll survive in a completely different form than it is now. I think he will undo all of the goodwill that's existing that they have, but it'll exist in some capacity because those of you who are long enough wrestling fans, remember, it was the boom of the 80s and Hulkamania, and this thing was everywhere. And then 93, 94, when they're running, you know, high school gymnasiums again and it's like is this company going to survive are they going to survive against wcw he he's felt like you know what it, we came back and we've overcome and we've came back we overcame the government stuff we overcame ted turner we can overcome this 
And I think the problem is he's had too much success that he's now a victim of that success and has too much confidence in himself. Mm, I don't know. I don't but know. yeah, I, I, I really hope he doesn't come back. I, I think the product has been generally a lot more fun without him there. It's at least more palatable to watch, uh, excluding some of that Johnny Gargano stuff this week on Raw. There is a vested interest, though, in keeping some of the old secrets, anything that hasn't come out yet about WWE. Um, there's a vested interest in it not coming out because WWE, it seems like everybody over there is much more happy than they used to be. Um, and they don't, they actually don't want the business to be hurt in the same way. Now, if Vince comes back, that all goes out the fucking window, man. Then it's like, then it's like, I don't give a fuck about this business. Let's burn Rome to the fucking ground. And, um, you know, you know, like who knows, who just, who knows, man. I mean, who knows? Maybe there's a fucking, maybe there's CCTV footage of, of, of Vince, you know, filling that briefcase with money for the cops and in Pennsylvania, who the fuck knows? I just think that there is so much more that can come out. And the only reason that it's not coming out right now is that Vince isn't there. And if Vince comes back on and Vince makes some waves, he's given his enemies enough arrows at this point. He did it, it forced him out in the first place. And he's given him enough arrows that they can shoot him. Nobody care. Nobody's going to find Vince to be a sympathetic character. It, it's just, it's just never going to work. I mean, you know, you're right. It could happen, Robert. He could be crazy enough to do this, but if he does this, I mean, I don't know what the fuck happens to the wrestling business. I really don't. Like, I don't know, but I, what I is it, what, what, would it, what would it take to come out about Vince for somebody to be like, I'm I'm done with this guy. Like, I, there's so many horrific stories that are out there, like that that Nine Lives thing about on, on Vice, which I know is a lot of just recycled footage. And you're just like, there's nothing new in there. But if someone watched that from scratch and they saw all of the different things Vince has been accused of over but the nobody, years. But nobody watched it from scratch. No, I know, and... but I'm just using that as an example. No, I think the documentary was kind of lazy and a, and a quick grab, which is fine. You know, God bless you to get ratings in any way you can. But there are so many different accusations about Vince that have been out there over the years, and people just sort of explain it away and they push it away because they want to enjoy the, the content that they have. So I don't know what would need to come out like there would need to be something infinitely worse than a lot of what there has been out there about Vince. Or just infinitely more. Like there's a difference between him having a couple accusations now versus, you know, if there if that was times 10 or if there was different other things. I mean, they didn't mention the Saudi thing last night. You know, there's still there's still a, there's still a, a lot of meat on that bone and. Right now, Hunter is in an amazing position where he can have a press conference and they can ask him about this and he can deflect and be like, look, we got, you know, Vince is gone. We got rid of it. As soon as Vince is back, all those press conferences come back. And what happened to Tony at that media scrum is going to look like fucking child's play because Vince is going to have, uh, I mean, the amount of, you know, like no reporter worth their salt is going to be able to not ask these questions if Vince is back in power. If he's not, then it's like, you know, who cares? Because but when you think is, Vince McMahon, you think very tame when answering a reporter's question. 
That's what I mean too. Like that's what I mean. As 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 awful as Tony was at that press conference, could you imagine Vince at a media scrum at 2022? I mean, holy shit! I mean, he wouldn't. He just wouldn't do it. But like yeah. the, the you know, like as far as now, you know, there's just. I mean, I just, you know, I'm I'm starting to get DDP even talking about this. Where I'm like, I don't even know. I don't know how this. You're right, Robert. Technically, it can happen. Technically, he can take over the WWE again and make it his own company and, and, and appoint a puppet board or appoint the guys that he wants, whatever. My God, I, just, I mean, can you imagine if you had like a Hall of Famer who was a former president who doesn't have anything to do and you put oh, that, that guy on your board? That, I mean, that guy may go to jail, <laughs> you know, like that's the thing, too, where it's like, I mean, like, now, you know, there's a possibility Trump faces actual legal now that like DeSantis is is the apple of the eye and they're trying to move away from him, I I, I don't know, man. I just don't see. Um, I I just don't see it happening. By but the way, maybe- this is. I just want to point out this is the fun of of wrestling and being a wrestling fan. And the three of us have spoken intelligently for an hour and did not discuss any actual wrestling once. <laughs> this is why wrestling. I didn't even why... get to give, get my independent on Mandy Rose. You know, yeah. I mean, like, there's, there's. Oh yeah, we uh, kind of pivoted we... on it, but well, yeah, we we can go back to what your thought no, was it's, on it's Mandy. Fine. No, I don't, we don't need to. But what what are we gonna what are we gonna talk about? Fucking, I mean, you know, like it, it, you know, the thing is, is like when wrestling's good, it's like logical, and there's not really a lot to talk about. It's only when like wrestling makes absolutely no sense, or there's drama outside it. That there's time to talk about it because if it's good, it's just like, oh yeah, yeah, that was good. Oh, they did a good job with that. But there's <laughs> yeah. a part of it to that where there's a camaraderie where when it's good and everyone's around being like, man, this was awesome. It's fun to be able to share in that when it's all this craziness and the fact that this all coincidentally, like Nick and I talked before about like, oh, you know, you're gonna come on and talk about the the Ring of Honor uh, scrum, not knowing, hey, this is gonna be the week they're gonna announce this weird honor club situation, or this is where the Mandy Rose thing's gonna come out, or the Vince stuff's gonna come out, like. It's just kind of the fun of the unpredictability of of being a a wrestling fan, and in Nick's case, it's what drives you to be a wrestling journalist. If I can put words in your mouth, yeah, no, the thrill of the hunt. So, uh, no, uh, I, I guess it's a good time to bring up. So, uh, next year, uh, obviously, twenty twenty two is a very busy year for me. I went to everything possible and it completely exhausted myself. Um, so, I asked my management over at Static if I could. Uh, just focus on covering the big four WWE events on site next year. Uh, so I could spend more time with my wife and they granted that request. So we will still have some representation when we can at the uh, ring of honor, AEW scrums uh, in 2022, but I am not going to be in all of these scrums next year, guys. I, somebody's going to have to go in there and keep them, keep them, you know, uh, keep them honest. So what I'm uh, hearing but- is, Tony Khan has banned you from all AEW scrums. No, I, I know. I, 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 I'm trying to, I, it's not really a story. I don't, I don't know that I'm going to get aggregated for this, but I don't want people thinking that I'm not there because uh, Tony uh, cut me or, you know, uh, wrestling Inc. didn't want to send me anymore. It was very much just, uh, I got married and I'm exhausted and I've never traveled as much in my entire life as I have uh, this past year. And I just kind of, it's wanted- gotta be tough when you're newly married to fly to a ring of honor event. It's got it, it was, uh, you know, look, I, I've, I've never felt more appreciated than I have this past year. And I know it's because I hustled and I worked very, very hard. Uh, and I plan on hustling and working very, very hard next year as well. But, uh, 
it's uh, it's time for me to kind of uh, take a little mental health break here and, and focus on what I got to do and my wife. And uh, I'll still probably be it all out. And any other time they're in Chicago, their media scrums, I'll still be in them. Uh, but at least for next year, I'm going to take a little step back and uh, uh, do what I got to do for myself and my, and my family here. So. Well, to take a little step back, as this is sort of part one of our two-part, we're going to do uh, high spot and low spots for Dan and Nick before we uh, we say goodbye to Nick and Dan, who is not going to be here for the Dynamite review because it's your it's actually your wife's birthday and kind of to Nick's point, wife. I'm trying to keep my marriage alive uh, slowly but surely. That seems to be the undercurrent theme of this entire show: is can we right. preserve our marriages while still watching wrestling? Right. Um, well, there the answer is uh, hardly. Um, Dan, what's your but- high spot of the week? My high spot of the week was actually came from NXT Deadline, uh, New Day, and Pretty Deadly had a really fun sports entertainment match. If you haven't seen it, I, I recommend it. Uh, I really like Pretty Deadly, and I don't know, it was just nice to see this type of a match, because, you know, and I, I thought the dog collar match was great, too, but it was just so much more different than than kind of the stuff that we've been seeing. Um, And uh, I, my low spot this week I mean, the possibility of Vince coming back, right? I mean, there's no other low spot, you know, like as as far as, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to like talk about like Braun Breaker's booking when this could be happening, you know? So that's definitely, that's definitely my low spot, man, is the fact that I, I'm just kind of nervous about, you know, like if, if you have Vince back in command and you have Tony who's burned out, what happens to wrestling, you know? Mm, that's a very good point dan um well i will take dog collar match as my high point man i was there live for that and uh i know that everybody loved uh the the first two matches with the ftr the briscoes and i was at both of those as well uh but this thing was unreal i mean i felt like i was back in memphis watching old school wrestling footage it was just uh you know uh, I, there's like certain matches that make you feel away. Like I was, when I was, when I was watching Steve Austin and Kevin Owens at WrestleMania, I like literally became 13 year old Nick Hausman and just was like, you know, eyes open mouth agape for 45 minutes. Um, I wasn't quite there with FTR Briscoes, but man, it was so much fun. That's my, I love, I love a good brawl. I'm not like, uh, I, you know, I have respect for Lucha Libre and, you know, the guys that, the, do the young buck style or whatever but i i like a i like a fight i like a brawl well, in know. hopes of getting the aggregators to notice nick do you know anything about this ftr situation are they leaving like what was that tweet about uh my gut says that ftr will not be with aaw i don't know so that, this is just all blow offs you think with the with the match yeah, i i think i i mean look I, I hate to just be so blunt as FTR are punk guys and punk guys have heat on them. Um, you know, if you were sympathetic to punk or you said, Hey, I agree with punk or I think punk may have been right here or whatever. Um, you're going to, you're, you're, you may, you may be um, no longer there. Uh, Colt Cabana, Scotty did a, did an interview this past week where he talked about how the locker room deals with what he called bad apples uh, which just kind of sounded to me like we bully them till they leave um, for what it's worth. Uh, so I, I think I think that FTR is not politically in a good spot backstage, if I had to guess. I think that Tony obviously has to balance that with what's best for the bottom line. But if the bottom line is you have top talent that does not like them or want to work with them or draw money with them or put them in situations to draw money, 
there's really not much you can do with a money act. Um, and I think that with it's crazy, hundreds, like them and the acclaimed are the most over people in their company right now. You know, yeah, it, everybody thinks I'm nuts, Dan. I, there are a lot of people that work at wrestling Inc. that think I'm nuts. So I'm telling you guys, it's like, I just, from things I've seen and heard, um, I, I don't think that politically FTR is in a good spot backstage at AEW. And I, I, you know, anything can happen in wrestling. People make deals, people change, have conversations, but this punk elite thing is stiff still. And I just think politically FTR is just maybe not in a great spot backstage at AEW at the moment. And they'll probably be better off uh, in WWE right now. In all, in all honesty, it's how much really, if they're not going to get along with the young bucks and be friends uh, and we just saw them wrestle the acclaimed, what is there left for them to really do? Whereas if they go to WWE, you've got the Usos queued up for what's going to be, would probably be a really good match. I think those guys in street profits would be fun and a fresh match that people really haven't seen. Uh, those guys in brawling brutes, like there's a number of tag teams that exist there and there is a regime currently in place. Again, we're recording this on Wednesday. Shit may have happened by the time you listen to this on Friday uh, that understands that there is a value in tag wrestling. And to me, the strangest thing is, like FTR never felt like the main event act they should have in AEW. Like they, yeah. they should they should have been confidence in. They only felt like that in NXT. They didn't feel like that. They sure as hell didn't feel like that in the main roster. They you know? they did not. But WWE is more open and flexible. I think. I mean, Dan, you and I when we did our our breakdown of WrestleMania predictions, we said there's a possibility that you know Usos versus Sammy and Kevin Owens could main event a night of WrestleMania, and it wouldn't feel out of place. So there yeah. is a path to. FTR coming back and maybe it's FTR on the Usos main eventing, uh, you know, at WrestleMania or one of those nights and it not feeling like we're a SummerSlam, you know, not feeling like, oh, we're, we're being cheated out of a, uh, a legitimate top thing. So this may wind up being kind of the best for everyone and they can use Brett on TV and WWE. I just, guys, I just fixed wrestling. Oh God. Khan sells ring of honor to Vince. Vince controls Ring of Honor. Triple H controls WWE. I would actually buy that service to just see the first couple months of what the fuck Vince would do to Ring of Honor. Like sure. that would like I don't know what he would do. I mean, he he may bring back fucking uh, uh, Uncle Ebner, you know, wherever that uh, whatever the fuck that guy was. Like Uncle Elmer. Be, yes. oh, Uncle Elmer. I'm sorry. I'm I'm thinking of little Abner. Um, dude, that would be the funniest. If Vince got control for the promotion that was known for its work rate, that would be one of the funniest booking experiences of all time. I don't know how possible that is, Dan. Claudio uh, <laughs> would be champion regards, for three seconds. In regards to FTR's future, um, their biggest value to WWE would be if Punk wants to jump. Yes, in my opinion, like Punk FTR is a as a unit in WWE would be uh, would be really interesting. I uh, I agree. I'll do my high spot, low spot quickly here, and then we will wrap up part one of this two-part extravaganza. It's all going to be ones you guys keep listening. Zach will figure out how the fuck to edit this thing. Uh, my high spot was very, very short, but it happened on Monday Night Raw. Uh, it was Elias versus Solo Sokoa. Nothing about that match was a high spot, except Sami Zayn coming out and dancing to Solo Sokoa's music, which you'd think you'd be sick of by now. This was the funniest single thing I think I've seen all year. Uh, it's incredible. There's a, there's a, a gif of it out there. This dude is can do no wrong. And that little stupid moment of maximizing your minutes is why he is incredible. My low spot 
Dwayne The Rock Johnson, who we have nothing but love and respect for, has gotten bogged down in this Black Adam box office nonsense where Dan and I had talked about it before. I said it didn't turn a profit. He's like, no, I saw it did. It's like, no, The Rock tweeted out that Black Adam turned a profit. Everyone else is saying he didn't. And now it's where you see the ugliness of the rest of the world, how they look at wrestling. Like, oh, you know, Dwayne's been this movie star all these years, but he's still a wrestler. He's still a carny and he's still trying to pull one over on you. Um, Obviously, if you love a movie, it doesn't matter what its box office is. Uh, It sounds like the new DC regime might not be going forward with uh, a Black Adam 2 or he might not have a presence in their films going forward. But I think the fact that he got hey man, pulled this into be great this, for wrestling, though, that's, that's where I was going with this, is that as much as this sucks, the fact that there is a uh, that the rock now has a black eye from Hollywood for a minute means that the door is wide open for him to uh, decide to go backwards safe and uh, and make right a little before, return. To right WWE. before Fast Five was like a huge thing. He had gotten back in the WWE. I think he's going to do it. I think yes. he's going to do like a Roman you know, even if it's just, you know, jobbing to Roman, he'll he knows that he'll be in the news for three months, you know. All right. Well, Nick, I want to thank you so much for for joining us. And even though you're only going to be doing well uh, after Rumble, we'll probably have you back for the post Rumble uh, scrum. If there is one, if you survive the Antarctic, you're not killed by a penguin. Uh, but uh, throw some plugs at us of where we can find you uh, should you uh, go missing. Uh, well, of course, go support WrestlingInc.com. I'm the senior news editor there. Uh, they support me and everything I get to do. Um, and I'm at Nick underscore Houseman over on Twitter. Uh, I had a tweet. Uh, do uh, 7,000 likes and 1,000 retweets overnight. You want me to read you the Whoa. tweet? Yes. COVID's a conspiracy. Yeah. It's just some Joe Rogan commentary. No, mm-hmm. no, no. I said, dear Vince McMahon... Please stay away. Signed, everyone, and that did. <laughs> <laughs> and that did over seven thousand likes and a thousand retweets. No tags. No tags. No hashtags. <laughs> so, if you believe in that message, how funny would it be if that's the tweet that gets Vince to come back? He's like, "This piece of shit over at WrestleLink." I'm going to fucking prove him. I'm going to spite, Rhodes. just to spite Colt Cabana's best friend, Nick Houseman. I'm going to come back. Cody Rhodes. I want to do, if, if Vince does come back, I want one, I want one sequence where he's in the chair from, you know, the NWO thing. And he goes, there's only one way to kill this company. And then he just turns around and it's just another picture of him on the chair. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Dan, what do you want to plug? Uh, I'm going to be at Brooklyn Comedy Club for uh, a show. I think the 10 o'clock show on Saturday night and just going to be doing stand up. I, I, my special, uh, I will be taping a special March 2nd at Brooklyn Comedy Club. There will be two tapings. It only seats 60 or 70 people. I want to pack this with as many St. Germaniacs as possible. So if there's one show to see me at this year, it's my special taping. Check it out. All right, and uh, stay tuned right after the, I'm going to say break, but I'm sure Zach will just play a weird sound effect. I'll be back with uh, Scott, Mike, and Alex Greenfield. Welcome back to part two of our Wrestle Roast episode, assuming Zach did not fuck this up, and he didn't because he's the best producer in wrestling podcast history. I am now joined by an illustrious panel. I am joined by Scott Chaplin. Scott, how are you? Good, good, good. I am joined by Mike 
Lawrence, who's got to be very, very tired right now. Mike, how are you doing? I am, and it's not because I had a child. It's because Jeff Jarrett's on TV in 2022. And we are joined by special guest number two. I said at the beginning of the episode, Nick Hausman is my favorite guest. I was full of shit. My favorite guest is Alex Greenfield, former WWE writer, current MLW writer, and the writer of the upcoming film Lullaby, out in theaters and on demand right now as you are listening to this uh alex why should they fuck off avatar and watch your movie instead listen man we have 100 fewer uh blue people uh and and 97 fewer computer graphics uh for reasons that will become clear uh when you watch the film and we will give you uh, plenty because, because you know what our movie is going to be way scarier and you're going to learn way more about hebrew mythology uh, yes, and I don't think James Cameron works with very many Jewish people, so I think you're doing okay. <laughs> I guess no aspersions and would Jew over blue, Jew <laughs> over blue, <laughs> uh, which also was the booking sheet when Goldberg beat Meanie. Uh, <laughs> by the man. way, uh, uh, when are you guys gonna fight over who over gets blue, to right? take credit yeah, for MJF's no, success? Um, normally oh, Robert does, so it's yes. nice to have someone else here. That's fair. Yes, welcome, uh, Greeny, to also take credit for uh, Max's success. Though I, I still have the early booking sheets where he was he was my project uh, from from the from the start. And now we're gonna we're gonna that's a good transition. We're gonna start by talking dynamite or dud. We're gonna break down hour one, hour two of dynamite. Uh, then after that, I'm gonna get this illustrious panel's take on some of the topics we talked about earlier with Dan and Nick, namely the uh, the release of Mandy Rose, the potential return of Vince McMahon. Uh, then we'll do some high spot, low spots, and we'll tag this sucker. So hour one of AEW Dynamite, the Elite versus Death Triangle in the best of 200 series. Uh, MJF cutting a promo in the back about how he made Ricky Starks famous uh, and only because Alex and I made him famous. The acclaimed, the hottest act in pro wrestling, get attacked by the hottest act in the history of wrestling, Jeff Jarrett and uh, Sutnam Singh. Uh, the Jericho Appreciation Society cut a promo. Uh, Nick, uh, sorry, uh, Brian Cage versus Jungle Boy Jack Perry. A Blackpool Combat Club. Wait, promo. were you about to say Nicholas Cage? I was going to say Nick Cage. Which <laughs> way better? Nicholas Cage. I feel like Jim Ross at that point. It's, it's Nick Cage. Sorry, it's Brian Cage. You can you can get mad at me at JRSBBQ. I have cancer. <laughs> he's in a he's he's in a movie called The Unbearable Weight of Massive Steroids. <laughs> oh man, um, the, and Jim Ross is the unbearable weight of his face sliding off his head. Uh, I love love you, Jim. So glad to be part of the ad-free shows network with Jim Ross. Uh, Blackpool Combat Club promo where they try to justify their existence. House of Black versus QT Marshall in the factory. And a Britt Baker promo. Holy shit, a lot happened in hour one of Dynamite. So, Mike, why don't you uh, why don't you tackle this one? What'd you think of this? You didn't even mention Swerve, right? That also happened. That happened on... I didn't realize that happened on this show. That was hour one, the, the promo that he cut. I must have fast-forwarded through it. Yeah. Then uh, our our boy, our beloved first ever MLW champion, Shane Swerve Strickland, had a segment yeah. on Dynamite that I apparently blew right through. So, Mike, uh, pick up the slack for me here. Well, him and uh, Keith Lee are wrestling next week, uh, and they there was there was a lot of good on this show. Most of the bad is Ring of Honor. It just doesn't need to exist. They did, you know, the Blackpool Combat Club segment was all about Ring of Honor. 
the swerve thing was him and Keith Lee, you know, were in a tag match at Ring of Honor, and now they're gonna wrestle next week against each other. Um, the MJF promo was fantastic. Um, I thought that so thank you guys. Um, I thought that <laughs> the last, you know, um, I thought the last few, I mean, Moxley sucks and I think he makes anyone suck. So like him against Starks is a much better, I, there's something, the bitterness of a young guy mad about another young guy also being successful just works better. And so the way that he was trashing Ricky was really well done. The dust line at the end, that was, that was fucking, yeah, that was a great promo. Uh, the best of uh, seven series. I think it's so dumb that they're already like, I think they announced the stipulation for match six. And I think they also have said they leaked out what seven will be. Oh, they, so. they, they no, no, they didn't leak it. They said it. They yeah. said it. So, yeah. so no suspense joking. there. No, uh, I kept joking. This was going to end in like hammer versus hammer. And then sure enough, Kenny Omega is like, next week we're all going to get hammers. And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? So, yeah. yeah. So Jamie's back if everyone's getting hammered. But Mike, are you going to the LA show? <laughs> That's me on this interview. <laughs> um, i don't know if i will be going um you know uh to be able to see elite versus death triangle for the first time does seem exciting um Dude, you know that ladder match is gonna be amazing yeah and i've seen well, no, hold on it. Scott, um, that's only if they get to match seven they would not announce stipulations <laughs> assuming it's gonna get to match seven obviously this best of seven series is gonna end early because they wouldn't just announce stipulations otherwise that'd the be big, crazy okay, the, the, the big thing is because i did not watch last week or and i didn't watch much of the week before so you didn't miss much so, i know so i know jungle boy got attacked but I did not know they're calling Morrissey Big Bill now. Oh, no. Was that new? He's Bill W. Morrissey, which for those of you who don't know, that's the code for uh, AA. Alcoholism. Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. Friends of Bill W. So when you see him on TV, you're going to want to drink. And that's War- that's Morrissey's new uh, new name. <laughs> yeah, that's why Dan's not on the show right now. But it, it's, it's crazy because like. The amount that they said the name Big Bill in like two minutes, and it just made me think of Big Josh from WCW. Like, Big Bill does sound like an 80s, 90s wrestler name. It does not sound like 2022. I do think it's better than W. Morrissey, but both names suck for a guy that looks that visually cool. So it triggers my PTSD um, where I hear Big Bill and I think Bill DeMont showing up. (laughs) And I'm automatically terrified. Yeah, all all young wrestlers should be. Um, but I I think uh, the the worst part of this, yeah, by far is they Jeff Jarrett in 2022. I I texted uh yeah I, I think on the thread that um seeing Jeff Jarrett on TV is like when the ice cream falls out of the cone and onto your <laughs> shoe. <laughs> it's just that like classic disappointment. It, it's also the acclaimed are one of the most overacts that they have. They are a legit organically made act that I, I would say, you know, if someone wanted to say tag team of the year, just based on popularity and where they were at the beginning and where they are now, I think that's pretty, you know, I, I would accept that. And then to put them with the fucking lifeless Jarrett and, 
uh, you know, lethal and all those guys. It, I don't know why they would do that. Because, Mike, like, rap is crap. So they're clearly doing a brand new, fresh 2022 retake on a WCW angle. I mean, it's <laughs> like because you had them against FTR last week and then that's just done. And you could have had that be like some kind of program, you know, not seven matches because we don't want to be excessive, but like two or three. <laughs> but I, I thought hour one overall, the highs were better, uh, higher than the lows were low. And um, and I think, you know, we'll talk about this in hour two, but it really did feel like a main event having um, the Starks promo and the MJF promo talking about the match and all of that they don't do that enough i thought that really elevated uh the show as a whole scott what'd you think of uh our do i even need to ask what your take is now? <laughs> like, it was so dope it was the best thing ever no, no i mean look i i loved the opening match uh i really liked the mjf promo after that i i loved uh jungle boy jack perry versus brian cage I, I did not like uh, Jeff Jarrett and, and that crew. Uh, uh, um, oh, well, that was the acclaimed. Yeah, they them attacking the acclaimed, I did not like. I loved... Mike, did you mention Hook and uh, Jack Perry? I love that little Hook. combo. I love that little combo. I feel like this is Hook's first time on Dynamite. So he's graduated to Dynamite, and they're just going to be heartthrobs. I, I would like to see Hook bring Jungle Boy more into the present. You know what I mean? He starts losing these jungle habits and he becomes cool like like Encino Man. <laughs> There's something about Big Big Bill like jumping out of the ring when Hook got in that made me think of Andre and the snake. That's <laughs> <laughs> amazing. Like, I don't know why he has an irrational fear of five foot <laughs> <children>. <laughs> Yeah, I, I do I do hate that the acclaimed uh, are feuding with Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal because literally it could be anybody else. Like, yeah, you know, later on they show that FTR and um and G Gun Club promo, and you go like, oh, do people like the Gun Club? Not necessarily. Should FTR be doing more? One hundred percent. But uh, it's fun and makes sense, and they've kind of been feuding at least. Like this is fucking bad. Like. I didn't even know Jeff and Jay were trying to go for tag gold, you know? And then the first thing they do is attack the tag chain. Like, I don't know. Well, they didn't know that Tony did a line and all of a sudden this was the idea that came up to him. You yeah, can hear the snort when they first came out. Yeah, <laughs> was how, was House of Black was Factory during this? Yes, House of Black Factory from was Memphis the end of in 1987. <laughs> <laughs> with some of Jerry's so, stash. <laughs> So I also loved House of Black versus the fucking factory, man. I thought it I thought it was a blast. I think they should do more of this. And they kind of did uh later on in the in the second hour, which I really loved. But I thought this had like a a, a different pace to it. Um and that crowd, man, I think the crowd made everything really, really great. The crowd was uh was 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 unbeatable. Crowd was hot. It's always easy to kind of run in Texas, especially when you're outside of Dallas and you get that diehard wrestling fan base, they will pop for anything. Like you just put the name Von Eric at the end of any fucking kid that goes uh -huh. out there and they're going to cheer. Not that I'm casting aspersions. <laughs> so I'll, I'll get missing. So elite death triangle. Robert, uh, I just want to say it is always easy to run in Texas unless you're Planned Parenthood. <laughs> or Beto. <laughs> 
<laughs> so, Holy shit, where elite. have I walked into? God nah, you, damn, man. Welcome, welcome to Thunderdome. <laughs> uh, so, I yeah. get my straps on. Elite shit. Death Triangle was fine for like, all right, we've seen it again. It's high paced. We know what we're getting. What I didn't love, A, I can't believe that I kept making the joke of this is going to end with everybody getting a hammer. And then next week, it's everybody getting a hammer for the next match. Uh, and then it's the old Vince McMahon rule of what's the difference between an ODQ match and a Falls Count Anywhere match, which is always fun. Oh, uh, I'll tell you, I think they're going to go backstage. Like, re- remember, like, and what, Punk's going to be waiting for him? Well, <laughs> we could only hope. But yeah, I, th- I think we're going to get backstage shots and shit like that. It's going to look a little cinematic, but live, you know, so I'm hoping. I'm hoping. Kenny, so Kenny did something that used to piss me off. WCW used to do this all the time. and It used to drive me nuts. He grabs the mic and he cuts this little promo. He's like, next week, we want to fight you guys. No DQ. And, you know, this, this was not a, 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 a script part. This was not a promo part of the format. Ugh. Like, stop fucking talking oh, about like everything's God, fake but me. that kind of... I love. I'm sorry to interject. No, I too green it. Bring some, it in. I love some meta shit, like when it's done subtly. But those sorts of everything else you're watching is bullshit. But this is real. It just undercuts the whole. Re- it, it is just announcing a suspension of disbelief, and it kills me. So I think you're trying to not, insult someone some that you're not naming, bro. There. Say it again. I'm sorry. I, bro, I think you're trying to insult someone without naming them, bro. And uh, I, I feel like uh, I'm taking it personal, bro. <laughs> so maybe not I'm at re- all. Actually, I've had nothing but I, I think we're talking about uh, uh, Russo, right? Yeah. I've had nothing but fucking fantastic interactions with Vince. Uh, it's funny. I did. Rob, Rob, were you? No, it was Brian Mann sort of from the new generation. I did a show once with russo ferrara brian mann and me just talking shit about creative uh about what it was like in different eras and like i know he's got the terrible rep but russo man like he was self-critical he like he was a really interesting dude to talk to like his whole approach to creative kind of defined by the time rob and i got there like we were working in a system that he and ed sort of defined and created well, it helps that Ed is a really good guy, and Vince yeah, is, is, is also there. Um, the weird thing I was just I, saying Russo because of the trope of oh, no, no, Russo is fake, but this is real. Yes, and that's what I was going to say. Like that yeah, was a big no, Russo bullshit absolutely. thing. Um, the weird thing, about, and maybe I'm reading too much into this, and it's just wrestling within wrestling. But when Kenny's like, the rest of the show is going to be very talk heavy, so I'm going to keep this short. Knowing he's seen the format sheet, and then right after it was a very long MJF promo that in the middle it was a good backstage segment. But all I'm thinking is this was a pre-tape. Kenny knew it was a pre-tape and he's already telegraphing like there's going to be a lot of other people talking and it's going to waste a lot of time. And it felt like a weird criticism of the rest of the show, which I didn't love because I thought Max gave a really strong promo. Um, I think Jeff Jarrett attacking the acclaimed was fantastic. This is the best that TNA has done in a long, long time. Weird thing with Jericho Appreciation Society where and I know, Mike, I know you love Danny Garcia. I know he's your favorite wrestler. You think he's charismatic, he's electric, he's exciting. He's a member of their group. And now you're saying, okay, you're going to now shadow Sammy. And he's like reluctant again. We just did this story like two months ago of, is Danny part of Jericho Appreciation Society or is he not? And now we're doing it again where he's going to be Sammy's lackey. And I know, Greeny, you have nothing but positive things to say about working with Sammy Guevara. He is a consummate professional who I have never once said a bad word about on this show. 
<laughs> um the the last show I worked with Sammy was fantastic. It uh there it is. Uh, no, 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 like legit, it's one of those things that I didn't super get along with the guy early on. And as time got along, we sort of found found a rapport. And the last show I did, well, it was a bunch of stuff in Angle with he and Conan. Uh, and it was kind of a blast to get through. It was in, in uh, New York at Melrose in that upstairs area and the graffiti hallways. Oh, yeah, that was and fun. um, like he was totally game and having a lot of fun. And it was it like some guys it takes time to chill into it and some guys come in like dudes who walk in we've talked about this on text dudes who walk in like max um with a even a tenth of max like with a sense of themselves and what they can do and what they can't do and that sort of thing that takes years to develop so i don't even feel like it's burying someone to say like i didn't get the sammy that exists now like i got a very first time out of Booker's shadow, Sammy. And by the end of it, it was working great. Those first couple of shows, it was, it was frustrating. Yeah. I think what I think of is sometimes the, uh, the first couple of shows where it was like, but I what, he, I got, he got better over time. He got better over time. I'll give him yes. that. Uh, Cage Jungle Boy is the kind of big man, little man match that you want to see those guys involved in, which was fun. I did think it was weird that, you had uh, Lee Moriarty in there. You had Morrissey, and then they both powder for Hook. Like Mike, to your point, like Hook is not—he's they—they've established that he's a a little bit of a killer in terms of a submission guy. But there's no reason Morrissey, who's like nine and a half feet tall, should be running from Hook. It felt kind of weird. Uh, and obviously, I loved House of Black Factory. Anytime QT Marshall is on my television screen, I'm going to be a happy guy. And that was the perfect booking for House of Black. They're clearly a, a, a heel act that the crowd wants to cheer. Let them cheer them. Julia Hart did not speak once, and she didn't wrestle. I'm in favor of all of that. Uh, she blew the mist well. And uh, the Blackpool Combat Club, that promo, look, I'm I, Alex knows I, I, I love Willer Yuta more than most. And I, I'm so happy to see him there, but this feels like you're trying to pump air into a corpse and it just feels weird. <laughs> a corpse holding Ring of Honor titles, which are corpses themselves. So kind of strange, <laughs> but overall entertaining hour one. And yes, they kept building to our main event, our main event, our main event, which is something that it hasn't happened. I feel like somebody sat Tony down, gave him some ADHD medication and we got a focused hour one. Uh, hour two, Chris Jericho versus Action Andretti, a uh, Ricky Starks promo, an FTR video, uh, Ty Conti versus Ruby Soho in a match of the year contender, a Hangman Page promo that was actually excellent, uh, Best Friends, Danhausen and Dustin Rhodes, which this may be the first time I've seen Dustin and Danhausen together, and how have they not been together this whole time? Like, that feels like money left on the table. And then in the main event, MJF versus Ricky Starks. Then afterwards, a Brian Danielson confrontation. Uh, Scott, I'll start with you on this one. Shit. Ooh, you know, honestly, I love this hour too. <laughs> I'm so used to kind of backpedaling uh, come hour two and, and and acknowledging that there's some some shitty parts of the show. But I thought this was fun. A complaint I have, and it's an actual, it's a complaint I have about the Brian Cage match, Jungle Boy match, and I loved the Brian Cage match, Jungle Boy match. Uh, it's that I thought he was a Ring of Honor talent, 
And Tony said after the weekend, you know, like, oh, Ring of Honor isn't going to be really focused so much uh, on our show, you know, after the pay-per-view, which was Saturday, it had happened. Okay, but it really wasn't, Scott. Like, I mean, yes, it was in the Jericho Appreciation Society segment with Chris Jericho and with Danny Garcia. It was in the Brian Cage segment. It was in the Blackpool Combat Club segment. It was in the Chris Jericho match. It was in the FDR video package. (laughs) But other than that, it was barely on the show. Yeah, and so I I had a big problem with that because, again, like, I, I'd be even more hyped about all these things if it if it was about AEW and the fact that it doesn't feel like it is, there is like this subtle disconnect. Okay, but at what point are but, they going to acknowledge that like Ring of Honor is AEW? Like it's the, they own the company. Well, Mike, you texted it last night. Do Do you remember uh, what you texted last night? To yeah. Why would it a Why would an alive? Uh, why would an alive company want to do an impression of a dead company? Yeah, and it's like Ring of Honor. Um, unfortunately, that it failed. You know, and so why are you doing Ring of Honor TV? Uh, it's also you know like, what it is too. You, you Scott, bought please. it and find a way to make it a part of AEW. Uh, and there there are ways, and this ain't it. It's not trying to create a whole other brand uh, and company. I mean, well, it's I not as seamless Scott, as that... ECW on Sci-Fi, but that's beside <laughs> the point. What I was going to say is that it has no unique identity, and the way that they kept showing clips from it and talking about it, it just felt like an AEW pay per view. Yeah, I don't. I don't know what Ring of Honor is like other than a name and just more titles in a company that does not need more titles. So in in our one, when we had uh, Nick Hausman on, we talked about the fact that Ring of Honor, which we thought was going to go towards, it was going to be part of the HBO Max streaming service and it was going to be this great platform, is now relegated to Honor Club where you have to pay a subscription service just to be able to watch their weekly TV. So this is now a microcosm within a microcosm. So you're taking something people don't want as part of AEW. You're taking away talent people like, like Claudio and Samoa Joe, and you're putting them behind a paywall that most people are not outside of Dan, that most people are not going to put money towards. So you're you're burying this promotion, but you're wasting time on your actual show. You know what else you're doing, Robert? You're making a lot of your guys look like geeks. It's like... Seeing all these dudes with the Ring of Honor belts yesterday, it's like, oh, so you can't win AEW titles? Like, Claudio just feels like a loser to me. Well, not only that, Brian Cage just won this trios, this triple threat tag, whatever, the, the six-man tag thing, and then he tapped to Jungle Boy with the ref wasn't looking and then got pinned. So he looks like a double fucking geek. Yeah, which, by the way, I didn't mention it because I wasn't on the first half of the podcast that you recorded. But that Ring of Honor pay-per-view was awesome. I thought it was really, really great. So the pay-per-view was awesome, yet and it's something I brought up earlier. Like, it's kind of a tumbleweed. I haven't heard it. Like, nobody's kind of come out and been like, oh, my God, you really got to see the show. Or there was a lot of buzz coming off of it. The buzz wound up being what a bummer that Honor Club announcement was rather than than anything else. But uh, sorry, sure, Scott, I'll let, you, I'll let you get through the rest of uh So, our- yeah, anyway, dude, this action and dready shit was so damn good. So you're watching it and you're like, okay, Jericho's taking it out on this kid, right? Whatever, whatever. And then when he kicks out of the code breaker and they have to go to commercial and the crowd is going crazy, 
What a cool fucking moment. And then the rest of the match. And then Andretti to just win. It was just so fun. It was such like a, a random wrestling moment that, you know, if they use Andretti right and bring him back next week and not two weeks from now, uh, they could do something really cool. Like, I want to see Jericho want to murder this Andretti kid, you know? Uh, and I hope this leads to, you know, just good, good fun and and. I don't know. It made me very, very happy to be a wrestling fan. It was an absolute blast. Uh, the crowd chanting, let's go jobber. It's like, it, it was just all so perfect. I mean, they were chanting that before it even got hot. That's how crap. That's how good this crowd was where you're like, did you call an audible to do a longer match with this guy and let him win? Because if this crowd was dead, would this have been a mistake? I don't know. I just thought it was so damn good and so damn fun. Uh, Ruby Soho versus Tay Mello, you know, is what it is, I guess. And then I really loved the main event. I did. Uh, I thought it was awesome. These are two super young guys. I mean, I guess Starks isn't too young, but he's young. Uh, how old is Ricky? How old's Ricky? He's 32. Oh, oh, okay. He's a young no man. Shit. By WWE yeah. standards, he's a fucking rookie. He's an NXT yeah, exactly. kid. Yeah, so he's a young man, and um, you know, to see him in there with MJF and then looking back on the night and you got the acclaimed and, and, uh, you know, so many other, you know, hook and, and jungle boy. And you're like, wow, this is such a cool young company. And this is for the title. And it felt like it was for the title. It felt important. It felt like it mattered. And I like the Danielson, uh, return. I look, I mean, he couldn't be any colder in, in my opinion, but that was a great moment. And it was a great crowd for, him to get a reaction you know well, like Scott, he, he was he was chilly because the the hospital bed where william regal is where yeah. he's standing by his side was very very cold yeah i hope they keep the regal shit to a minimum and i honestly hope that he wrestles someone else for the title before he gets to danielson i hope he can kind of avoid danielson for a second because i don't think the feud is there like i don't want it to just be about regal and so let him fight another guy and beat him. And then because the same thing with Hangman, what his second real feud was with uh, Danielson, right? Yeah. So Mike, I don't what'd know. You, oh, sorry. Mike, what'd you think hour two? Yeah, man, I thought this was great. I thought the second hour was better than the first, which something you don't say about dynamite a lot. My only complaint about the action and dready thing. Um, the action is usually a middle name. Uh, when people say action is my middle name, I'm glad it's someone's first name. <laughs> I mean, the name, the name is so jobberific, so it is kind of great. Uh, but, uh, but my only complaint was the commercial break because it took away the feeling and suspense that this could end at any time. I, I and, agree with that to a degree, Mike, though the announcers making a big deal about the fact that I can't believe this is making it to a commercial break was a nice save by Shivani. But but my problem was, and I was watching, I, I know that you can stream this and see it without commercials. I was watching it on TV. The crowd was getting into it. And because they, they went to commercial right after the code breaker and the crowd completely turned. And then we didn't get to hear their participation for three minutes. And I thought that that just, it, it was just a, a minor dent. I know commercials are necessary, but I would have had this in a segment. I would have, you know, honestly, I would have opened with this. I would have, like, because one, the opening match seems to get the most uninterrupted time. So you wouldn't know when it was going to happen. And, like, holy shit, anything can happen on this show now. Um, 
but no, this was this was fucking really fun. Um, whether or not this is the guy to do this for will be seen and determined. You know, we haven't seen him cut a promo. We don't know what he's capable of. I heard he's only had a few matches in AW. He had a good match with uh, QT Marshall on Dark, so that's a miracle. I guess <laughs> that is why you'd push someone. Um, the Starks promo was great. Um, I would not have put it next to this Andretti match, like the two babyface plucky things in a row I wouldn't have done. Um, yeah, this was Hangman's best promo. This was human. This was interesting. And it was, uh, you know, emotional. Like, in the same way, uh, you know, the Dax fight like an eight-year-old girl. Like, when wrestlers are human beings and they're taking wrestling stories and interweaving them into their real personal lives in a way like this that gets emotion. Yeah. It's always going to fucking work for me. <laughs> I loved it. Yeah. Um, that was flawless, man. Like remembering everything and then not remembering his fucking kid's name. Uh, uh, I know, which is, which is funny because like every wrestler in the eighties and nineties could say that too. <laughs> yeah. 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 Rick Flair was like, you and me, brother. Um, you think that's Hogan the Hogan was like, I only remembered mine when I had to defend him in a murder case. Um, yeah. But, uh, but um, yeah, my my last thing was, yeah, the main event, it really, it started epic. I, I didn't like that it happened at 940. That, that I didn't like knowing that it was going to be so short and it felt a little rushed because of it. I would have had it start at 930. Um, and even even if there's less action, just bigger entrances, I would have done something to make this feel bigger and not just the match that's going last because they built it to feel bigger. Um, but I didn't, the low blow thing, I mean, it was okay. I don't want to see MJF win every time like this. I, I, I love when he is a good wrestler that chooses to be a dick. Um, and I don't think Starks is a guy that he needs to cheat to win. Um, but, uh, and, and then I, I would not have done the Brian thing. I thought that just, this was, this was MJF's first title defense. And Ricky was a great baby face. Just end on that. It just really made Ricky feel less than. You know, the whole thing is like, can this guy go? Is this his chance or will he be just another also ran? And by having him upstaged by someone, well, you told me the answer and that sucked. No, that's not what's going to tell you the answer when he's gone for the next three weeks and he's just not acknowledged on TV, which is standard Tony Khan booking. That's how, you know, Ricky Starks doesn't mean anything. Um, oh, in two in, in three weeks, you're going to be able to point a gun at Tony and ask him to tell the difference between Ricky Starks and Action Andretti when they're both on elevation. <laughs> well, so this is what was strange. So I, I'll break for me or two. I like the Jericho Action Andretti match. It was kind of clear what the what the finish was going to be. That it was going to be, you know, the young kid out of nowhere getting a win. Except I kind of feel like there's guys on the actual roster who could have maybe used that spot. This would work if I have faith that they're going to get behind Action Andretti and give him some kind of momentum. 
but you're already try again, you're already trying to push Jungle Boy as your young upstart guy. You're pushing Hook as your young upstart guy. You're pushing Ricky Starks as your young upstart guy. You're pushing Darby Allen as your young upstart guy. Dante Martin. Dante Martin is a guy who I actually thought would have been perfect for this kind of spot. And instead, it's a guy we've never seen before on Dynamite. Um, and it was a fun match, and Jericho made it work. Uh, and it was the the crowd was over the top into it. I mean, granted, Channing, you know, let's go jobber. I know how much that annoys Taz, which makes it so much more fun for me. And I'm sure for Alex as well, that, you know, how surly Taz will actually get about uh, that kind of shit. No, 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 no. He was, somebody was getting yelled at that night, just in a passive aggressive way. Cause Jericho (laughs) says in the, in his promo earlier, so I'm going to fight some jobber. And I'm like, that like someone would have gotten fired for a production meeting for that. God damn it. Who told him to say that? <laughs> but I love that. I mean, that is, I thought what... it was great. I just, I loved it. I just know like certain people who have ticks beaten into their skin, yep. like that's yep. going to come up. Um, Ricky Starks. Is your, wait, 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 Sorry. Robert, to your point, if it was someone we knew you lose that suspense, you do, you, but... you lose that anonymity. And because, AEW has nothing but back and forth matches between a guy that's kind of known and a, a guy that is. So having a guy be completely unknown, you kind of needed that for this to be like, holy shit. So let me flip this on his head just for a second. So there's Serpentico, who had 99 losses and would have been the first guy to get to 100 losses. If it would have been Jericho versus Serpentico, and, and Jericho's like, all right, I lost the Ring of Honor title. I'm going to give this guy his 100th loss, and he'll be the first guy to have 100 losses, and then Serpenico gets a fluke win. That's kind of a fun moment right there. And, and then you think we... it's as fun as what happened last night? Only if they follow no, up. No, it's not. Only, yeah. No, 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 they're not. But my concern is, are they going to follow up with this kid? I hope they do. Oh, I, yeah, they're going to follow I, up I, with action and Dreddy, baby. Well, we, we, I hope, but they, you know, we'll, we'll see. He'd be the second action they had debut outside of Bronson this year. So we'll <laughs> see, uh, you know, Ty and Ruby, Ruby did everything she could. They tried to tell a story about it being like, Hey, you broke my nose. I'm going to get revenge. But Ty is like a, you know, come, it's like, it's like watching one of those like inflatable, like balloon things that Bailey used to have at her entrances. But as a human being, uh, the hangman promo was excellent. The Ricky Starks promo was weird because he was getting mad at Max for making fun of him when he was making fun of Max the week before. It was kind of odd. But again, reading too much into it, I love the main event. I didn't like that during the main event is when they announced all the stipulations for the potential fifth, sixth, and seventh match at the best of seven series. Because even I think at one point Taz is like, and hey, by the way, there's a world title match going on right now. Like this should be (laughs) the most important thing in the world, especially since it's Max's first uh, defense. They're telling this Ricky Stark, this emotional story. And I, as much as I liked the Jericho uh, action Andretti segment, I thought it was great. And the crowd was super over for it. They were a little louder for the jobber chance than they were for Ricky Starks. And I think they got that cathartic moment. Like they had that, we want to cheer. We're going to cheer loudly for this guy. And then he wins. And then the Ricky Starks thing is sort of lather, rinse, repeat. And and maybe I'm being, again, overly critical when I thought overall this was really good. But you don't want to risk burning out your crowd. And I think this crowd played really well for this moment. But they were not as loud for Ricky at some points as they were for Action Andretti, which kind of sucked. But again, minor nitpicks more than anything else. 
overall, very strong uh, episode of Dynamite, a slightly focused episode of Dynamite. And since uh, Alex invoked the impression, I'm going to ask you guys of your take. Uh, there is the, uh, the, the rumor out there that <laughs> our Lord and Savior, Vincent Kennedy McMahon, uh, is uh, potentially considering uh, resuming the throne, finishing off Hunter's heart once and for all, and taking God control. Damn, uh, well, and uh, we, 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 you know, we got Nick's take on it. We got Dan's take on it before. Uh, you guys, I'm going to start with you, Alex, since uh, you had the pleasure of working with the greatest boss we've ever had in our entire lives <laughs> out, uh, outside God. of Court Bauer. Uh, but uh, what, God, what do you God think damn, of Vince? No, why not me? What do you think of Vince coming back from a second limo explosion? And taking control um, of the WWE yeah. again. <laughs> um, I know that the image in his head is a really big WrestleMania entrance uh, with all of the people doing the, the you know, we are not worthy bow and all of that. Like that is that is the image in his head. Um, do you think it's, do you think it's WrestleMania 12 where he comes down like Shawn Michaels on the zip line? <laughs> Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No shit. Right. That would be <laughs> ideal. Um, here is my question. Does. Like for for Vincent Kennedy McMahon, um, is he getting a call from Mar-a-Lago saying, oh, no, no, you should have written it out. God damn, man. What, what, are, you, what are you doing? I don't have a Trump impression. I, I just can't do it. But <laughs> that is definitely about what Vince happened. is saying in the Wall Street Journal article feels like Trump lines that were fed to him. And I mean, the guys know each other. Like, I feel like, ah, oh, Donald, I'm sitting around the house. I'm bored up here in Boca. You want to get together? Talk me through <laughs> some of this. I don't know. Do you think Vince is the one who pitched Trump on the NFT trading cards that he launched? <laughs> like, you know, Vince is we like we were putting Max over a minute ago. Remember, he was putting out those fucking um, oh god, which which thing was it? Not NFTs. It was a uh, crypto, I think, back a couple of years. Yeah, ago. that's not like the Global Force Gold that our our boy Jeff Jarrett was putting out. But uh, oh, buddy, yeah, Global Force Gold shit. <laughs> <laughs> Vince is like, I'm so bored. I could have sex with my wife. <laughs> First of all, I don't believe for a minute he has Linda's phone number right now. <laughs> Holy there is no chance. Um, Mike, are you excited at the proposition of Vince coming back, undoing all this Triple H bullshit of pushing wrestlers we care about <laughs> and uh, and fixing the company? Gunther, more like Gonther. <laughs> I mean, yeah, man. Uh, if 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 I am some of these guys, I am terrified. Um, nah, I, I don't know it because here, I think I think him saying he was going to come back this week was just proof of how weak that Vice documentary was. Yeah, that thing someone sucked. was like, they're like, man, they're gonna they're gonna build a hit piece against you, and he's like, oh, that's it, I'm fine. Um, but I do think he has a mountain of other accusations allegations and all of that stuff i so this was a question i posed to dan earlier i'm going to pose it to you now mike what has to come out about vince to get fans to finally turn on him like there have been accusations obviously there was the steroid stuff that came out there was the uh the 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 tyranny as a boss and yelling at people and being uh, uh, abrasive there was the paying the the women for sex and to keep them quiet there were rape allegations against him and none mm -hmm. of those have seemed to derail him like what has to come out about vince 
like in your opinion, Mike, for people to be like, all right, we're really done with this guy this time. I mean, here's the thing. It's less about what he could do and more about how terrible wrestling fans are and what they're willing to accept for their entertainment um, is the problem. You know, I mean, he's already done enough public stuff that would get many other people canceled, but can't, you know, the thing about like getting canceled and done, it's all about who's subscribing to you. (laughs) You know, I mean, we have to remember, I, I, I think, you know, when we're talking about the end of the year, I, I do think this Vince McMahon story is the biggest story of the year. And I think that um, it's the biggest story of wrestling in the last few years. It, it's, you know, we, you know, culture moves so fast, media moves so fast that it, it it feels like it happened so long ago, but it was this summer. And yeah. let us not forget the Stephanie segment and the thank you Vince stuff and people applauding when he came out, you know? So, I mean, what I'm saying is there's more than one person to hate in all of this. <laughs> in fact, there's, there's there's probably thousands, but I don't know what he would have to do. Um, you know what, you know what I think maybe, maybe he would have to help cover up um, a government assault during um, one of their um, tribute for the troops uh, shows. You know, I mean, I think if like something about Ashley Massaro came out, maybe that would end him. I feel like that the Ashley has been bandied about as the smoking gun that's out there. And it's it's uncomfortable in a lot of ways um, because there there is a lot of uh, to to quote our, our good friend Bruce Pritchard rumor and innuendo. Uh, not that Bruce knows anything about anything that may have ever happened in Vince's life. He is an upstanding citizen uh, and a former employee at uh, First Family Mortgage, uh, which uh, remind you our sponsor for this episode and every episode is SaveWithConrad.com. Uh, if you're if you're going to trust somebody with your Social Security number and your house, you want to make it Conrad and a bunch of ex wrestlers. SaveWithConrad.com. Yeah, if you want Bruce to talk about the smoking guns, he'll tell you how Barton <laughs> Billy. Had a great match with the head shrinkers in 93. <laughs> well, what you don't understand is when when they took on the Godwins, it was a social commentary on this the old South versus the new South. Uh Wait, Scott, did you are, help you, the military cover up uh a, 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 an assault? Well, you know. Well, <laughs> you know, Saddam was way worse than Vince. Uh <laughs> And Vince, what you know, he left voluntarily. Saddam was hiding in a hole. Is that Rumsfeld? I don't. It's a little Rumsfeld. It's a little Bruce. Like they're kind of one and the same when you think about it. Uh, Would he be the Rumsfeld of the Vince administration? I feel like that would be more Briscoe, like the military guy. And Cheney would definitely be be Patterson. Yeah, I I I, I don't think sense. Vince will come sure. back, and I do think just the the weight and number of things will will keep him from coming back. Scott, are you excited at the uh, proposition of Vince coming back? <laughs> I'd be excited if it was going to be a reality show, uh, or or something. But uh, I I don't see it happening, but. I I guess I am excited to read the dirt sheets 
as he tries to get back in and slowly realizes even his own family is not going to try to let that happen. Oh, it I is think going, he's well aware his family hates him. Well, it's going to, well, I don't know, whatever he decides to do, if he ever decides to make moves again, whatever it is, like, whatever comes next will be funny. I think and that's Dan, what matters. Dan, so Dan suggested earlier that Tony Khan should sell Ring of Honor to Vince. Oh my gosh, I love that. That's so fucking funny. So, uh, Greeny, the, the Vince leaving was like something we never thought would happen until he was in the ground. I, I think that I think that Vince should put on a cane mask and just hump Ring of Honor. <laughs> <laughs> we were not there for Katie Vick. I'm just putting that out there. Neither no, Alex no, nor I can no be blamed responsibility. for that. Punjabi <laughs> prison, prison match on different the other story. Hand. Yes, yes. So, Greeny, uh, Vince being gone, did you think you'd ever see it? Uh, no, I, I honestly, th- I like 100% legit. I thought he would do everything in his power and still probably will to die in the ring, uh, in one way or to, to, to die in front of the crowd. Um, and that there is a, I am convinced, uh, as a former head writer at WWE, I am convinced that there is a break glass post Vince death angle already written on paper somewhere, perhaps on a scroll. Does this mean we get um, to finally pay off the limo explosion? Since yeah, maybe so. Get no off? shit, right? No, I remember I called Koski after they did that angle. Our our friend Ed Koski, who's still who's still at WWE, the lone and I was survivor. Like, this feels like bad karma coming. <laughs> uh, uh, and Lord knows, it was. It very yeah. much. What? I hate to interrupt, but I don't want to lose this thought. When Vince dies, what what they're what they have to do, like what he's going to ask them do, is three hours on Raw. It's going to be like when they run down the scroll of people who died on nine eleven, but it's going to be people who he thinks even in death he can kick their ass. <laughs> By the way, as so, here's damn, the- that's a lot. Three hours is not enough, buddy. <laughs> as former employees, we are required to say if. Vince McMahon dies. Yes. There is a strong possibility. And also what will happen is he will be put in a glass box like Stalin and be on the stage for a few months <laughs> until it gets knocked over in a comedy segment involving Hornswoggle. <laughs> By Brawler. This is what I would do. Brawler so, goes through the fucking glass case. So for so fantasy booking Vince's death, um, I oh listen no fantasy booking Vince's death is a whole other listen I write horror movies for a living these days <laughs> if fantasy booking Vince's death is what the divas do for fun when they hang out um but, <laughs> but no um I would I would have you know die cremate him and put him in Undertaker's urn and you realize that's the power there may have been a time warp that could have already happened. Like that's some Vince, that's some Ed, that's some Ed Ferrara booking. Right Dude, what there. if we found out that it was Vince <laughs> Senior's ashes in that urn all along? <laughs> no, Robert, I gotta I go, buddy. Saw, uh, yeah, you run. I, I actually once saw Vince talking to the urn, so I know it's not Vince Senior. 
<laughs> oh jesus oh that's 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 fucked up but yeah it was so great oh. to have uh have mike here for that uh so we're going to transition now into our our final segment on the show which is high spot low spot of the week so this is oh. uh, alex for your well, that was a weird sigh right there Ooh, Scott. I sorry i stretched that. i did it uh, i did, I did a real a deal spot. Spot. I don't so know we say happened. we say our our high points our low points for the week uh in professional wrestling so scott i'm gonna let you uh i'm gonna let you kick this one off yeah, let me hit this one, and then I got to bounce too. I yes, apologize. Sir. Okay, so boys, um, my high spot. It's very, it's very easy. Uh, Sasha Banks will be appearing at Wrestle Kingdom, uh, January fourth. Uh, I don't know in what capacity, but she's going to be there. Apparently, she's making more than a hundred thousand to do so. So good for you. Um, I'm also excited that you know Carl Anderson. He didn't just fight. Uh, yes, a few days ago was it yesterday? I don't even know what today is, but uh, you know he 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 regained the never open weight championship. I believe it was yesterday. Um, oh, he won the title. So he regained it, man. Wow. Yeah. So, well, I'm sorry, not re- retained it. He retained, he retained it. it. So, That's yeah. He's had it, so he's keeping it, dude. So he's fighting uh, Tamatanga at a uh, Wrestle Kingdom, which is like he's a legit WWE contracted guy. Sasha's been out apparently since August. Now they're breaking. Uh, saying that she's been out of contract since August. Uh, if that turns out to be wrong, whatever. Anyway. Um... By the way, Tamatanga <laughs> competed in the very first match in the revival of MLW. No shit. He's Danny great, man. Yep, him and Danny time. Birch. That was a hell of, that was a, a fun opener. And, and the crowd was like, holy shit, Bullet Club's going to be part of MLW. And we're like, nope. No, I, I love <laughs> I, I love his stuff, and I'm and I'm ha- this match feels like it's like years in the make. I mean, it's two OG Bullet Club guys, like legit, you know. Um, and also they announced the Wrestle Kingdom card. I'm excited about that. Low spot, huh? It's got to be the Mandy Rose stuff. I know you talked about it earlier, right? On the first, I did. Part. Yes, let me get your but thoughts yeah, on that here. I don't think she should have been uh, fired. You know, you just go like. You know, you go as a as a as as a man is supposed to with the woman. You go, come on. Well, let me let me okay. Come so on, let me, please. Let me let me phrase let me that. let me frame it to well, you this way though, Scott. Do. So she's <laughs> under a WWE contract, um, and they basically tell you like what you can and can't do. She was posting content on her not only fans. I don't remember what the site was that they were like, hey. You need to stop posting this, or we'll have to we'll have to let you go. And she's like, "I'm not going to stop posting it." And they have deals with Mattel in terms of what they're allowed to put or not put. So they they kind of had their hands tied. So I don't know what what they could have done to keep Mandy there. I I heard she might have been making more than main roster money. Ooh, well that that uh, I mean that that could be upwards of seventy thousand dollars. That makes it a pretty easy choice. Yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, Green. Yeah, well, what, since oh, their hands were tied, now you can see her hands tied. For... There you go. <laughs> the low, low price of yeah. uh, not as much as our, our Patreon. Um, anyway, uh, Greeny, what, what's your high spot, low spot of the week? My high spot of the week uh, is uh, the uh, the article at the Today Show about MJF. Um, um, pretty great. They called him one of the best villains on television who you haven't heard of or something like that. Um, he, uh, how do I say it within, within kayfabe? He is his usual asshole self with a nudge and a wink throughout the entire interview. Um, 
and he's getting like he's he is proving what rob and i uh what rob and i molded him into um um and proving what we saw when we walked up and we're like who the fuck is this um he's becoming a crossover star and it's the coolest thing in the world like i just feel absolutely delighted for him uh low points of the week um I I don't I don't have any that that match you guys were talking about on the AEW television program. That's a great answer, but yeah. uh, I thought your <laughs> highest one. part of the week was going to be the fact that uh, Lullaby, your, yes. your film yeah, that well, you that's wrote, that's not a wrestling thing. Quite, it's, it's almost it's quasi uh, it, it's wrestling adjacent because it's written by a, a former WWE writer, and we in our community support one another. Oh, so, same, right. Yes. Yeah, so Phil was in a little bit on this because I watched the trailer on this and this kind of fucked me. As someone who has kids and has a baby monitor, the trailer alone fucked me up. Uh, so Lullaby is a horror movie about a young mother uh, who uh, has a very colicky, very uh, uh, awake, a lot baby uh, who's always yelling and crying. And uh, through a series of events, she gets an old book with an old lullaby in it, and she sings it, and the baby goes right to sleep. It's a beautiful thing until she realizes she has summoned uh, the first woman, uh, the wife of Adam before Eve, Lilith, who wants to take all of the sons of Adams away uh, and tries to steal her baby. And, and, and uh, hijinks ensue after that. So uh, it's a very... Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, and it stars uh, Una Chaplin from uh, yep. Game of Thrones. Yep, Una Chaplin from Game of Thrones. Those of you who've watched the show, and I may have freaked out and sung the reins of Castamere a little bit after I heard she was cast, which is kind of fucked up. Uh, but she is Rob Stark's wife in the Red in the Red Wedding. Um, uh, she uh, she does a little better here, but you know she goes through some stuff. But no, it, it's super exciting. Like, listen, we live in a time where there's a shit ton of rising anti-Semitism. This is a movie for everyone, but it is very much. I mean, Rob will remember I used to do a podcast with MVP and MVP tells this fucking great story. He was between New Japan and coming back to WWE. He's out on the indies. He uh, comes into a locker room and this younger black performer comes up to pee and he's like, I, you know, it starts out as an age story for all of us, right? Like it starts out, the guy's telling him, when I was growing up, you were one of my favorites and all of that. And MVP is just feeling older and older and older. But then the kid says, and you know what? It really, it really mattered to me that you as a superstar on the biggest stage of them all were unapologetically black. Um, This is an unapologetically Jewish horror movie. And in a world uh, that we live in right now with all the shit going on that we're seeing right now, coming out with that movie on this particular Hanukkah at this particular moment uh, psychs me up pretty fucking good. Um, so yeah, it's called Lullaby. We almost in it. Here's here's a slightly wrestling related story. I reached out to our Robin, my old colleague, Dave Batista. We came this close. I'm holding my fingers very close together uh, to seeing Rabbi Dave Batista in Lullaby, uh, which would have been great. A sort of John Constantine exorcist uh, uh, 
uh, rabbi. He was shooting C at the same time, his uh, Apple TV series C at the same time. Now, was the concern that he wasn't going to, that he wasn't going to get the timing right for the pyro for the rabbi? (laughs) Yeah, no shit that he was going to make me deaf in the other ear. Um, Yes. Uh, One of the ribs at WWE, if you guys haven't heard this story, one of the ribs at WWE when Rob and I were there was Batista's Frickin' pyro was the loudest thing on earth. And inevitably, if you were sitting next to Vince, you would catch the brunt of it. Everybody knew to cover their ears at the last second, but a new writer is never smart enough. Oh, hold on. So mine on that, because I still have, I legit have hearing damage in my left ear, was because PS told me to stand in a certain spot to watch. And I was standing next to the concussion machine during the entrances. The concussion machine is what makes the boom. And to this day, my left ear hearing still still somewhat shot because of uh, our, our boy Dave. Also didn't oh, know Jesus. the red flashing siren meant Pyro is about to go off. Didn't mean to interrupt. Anyway, so where, where where can we find the movie? Uh, if you go to Apple TV or you go to Vudu, you can find it for, uh, uh, you can find it online right now at this very moment. Uh, there's a great trailer there and you can watch that. If you dig it, watch the movie. And it will be uh, a life-changing experience. It'll be a great experience. And uh, if there's a sequel, you will see that rabbi character that Dave Batista almost played, wonderfully played by a different actor. Uh, if there is a sequel, it involves that rabbi's two sons dealing with a dibbuk, another kind of uh, of Jewish folklore monster, in this case, a ghost, sort of a possession thing. Um, and one of those guys is absolutely in as much as writers have any power going to be MJF. Uh, well, when you think Jewish monster, you think, <laughs> exactly. you think MJF, uh, our, our proud creation. And much like, uh, we're at the bar, it's down to, uh, Greeny and I at the end as, uh, Scotty and Mike had to drop. And as I said earlier, uh, Nick Hausman and, uh, Dan, we're on, uh, we recorded that on Wednesday, we recorded this on Thursday. This will be out Friday, uh, December 16th. couple quick plugs before we get out of here. You can follow me on Twitter at WWCreative underscore ISH. As I mentioned at the top of the show, December 29th will be our Zoom Wrestle Roast Holiday Party Spectacular. It's kind of an end, it's the end of the year awards. We're going to be doing a, uh, our end of the year uh, award show. We're also going to be doing a secret roast. Uh, that's going to be a hell of a lot of fun. And our cameo, Secret Santas, uh, we all have different people that we're going to be buying cameos for. It's going to be a blast. So, uh, you know what? On behalf of Dan, Mike, Scott, Zach, Alex Greenfield, Mike's son, Logan, and all of us here at Wrestle Roast, best of luck in your future endeavors.